passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's not over, Matt. It's not over. Oh, yeah, Spray White. It's over. Senor Benjamin, come here, post haste. Yes, Mr. Hardy. Senor, please, retrieve Bray Wyatt's carcass from the Lake of Reincarnation. Yes, Mr. Hardy. He's not here, Mr. Hardy. Delightful. The Great War is over! Bray Wyatt has been deleted! When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock and Waiting coming at you live from the post office. Brought to you by a bottle of water and a McDonald's coffee. Way you're changing it up. Coffee's coffee. McDonald's coffee is actually pretty good. I made a, a big adjustment today. I got a. Hey, how's that Atlas Moth coffee? Oh boy, can I talk for a bit about yep. Atlas Moth coffee? Yes, you can. This is a phenomenal dark roast coffee. That you gave me a bag of during your big star-studded event, hanging out with some uh, famous musicians. One yep. of which was uh, Stavros from Atlas Moth. Yeah. Who somehow was just what he just had his own brand of coffee on him. Well, I know in Chicago where Atlas Moth are from, there is um... okay. Maybe I'm thinking of something else because I know in Chicago there's like a metal like burger joint. Where, like, all the burgers are named after, like, metal bands. Okay. And um, I guess there's a coffee company as well that also, like, names their beans after metal bands. Oh. And one of them happens to be named after Atlas Moth. And so, yeah, Stavros, shout out. Shout out to Scott Kelly. Great coffee. Uh, I recommend it. I, I finished it, dude, in under 10 days. Wow. Yeah, that whole thing. Excellent. Can you t- can you taste the, 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 the metal? Can you taste the hardcore? I could taste both the Moth <laughs> and the Atlas together. It was great. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I felt bad because like, I don't have a coffee grinder. Otherwise, I would have loved to have... I took it off coffee. you instantly. Yeah. I have bigger news, though. You took it from Damien, actually. I have a real big announcement tonight. Okay, let's hear Okay, it. it's now technically Tuesday, March the 20th. Christmas is over. Oh, I win. I, yeah, you won. I won the Damn bet. it, you won. Uh, you said... I won a small... 
Small regular coffee. coffee. Yes. You won. Hell yes. What was the bet? May 1st? Yeah. It's actually my phone. I did set that in. But I, I, I wrapped around the corner tonight. And the reindeer were gone. Wow. The the reindeer on the grass were gone. The lights were gone. Everything was gone. Christmas has ended. Mm-hmm. March the 19th. Impressive you that must, they lasted this long. They must have listened to the show. And they're just They like, clearly are patrons. Yeah. So now the bigger bet becomes when will Christmas return? Ooh. I would say if you're somebody who's... Okay, so the the fact that they kept that... Kept, the decorations up for that that long suggests two things. You either really love Christmas and you, you hate seeing these decorations go down, or you're really lazy. The latter. And they could be late um, yeah. putting up their lights. Like maybe it's gonna go up twenty third of December. Yeah, I would say I would say you're probably lazy if you're waiting until March nineteenth. Nobody loves Christmas that much. These were also deflated reindeer on this right. guy's roof for this right. long. It what they weren't even up. Uh, inflated or celebra- celebratory in any way. It was just very sad every Monday night when I would drive and see these so poor reindeer. Um, I'm going to say there'll be a December 15th Christmas coronation okay. around the corner. That's pretty late, but I don't even think it's that late. Like if you're really, and I'm speaking as a procrastinator, an, a, a professional procrastinator. And someone whose family once left the tree up till April? Something like that, yes. So I know all about this. But, uh, okay, I think the 15th is a good guess. I'm going to price is right you, and I'm going to say the 20th. I'm going to say the 16th. I'm really going to screw you. The 16th. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, put this in my phone again when Christmas lights go up. (laughs) How do we tell, though? Are you going to... Check every I'm gonna week? check every single week. Well, then we can't possibly have a have a time limit that close, right? Like I can't be that close. Well, let's to go you. ahead and we have to pick a Monday because yeah. that's the night that I hope you still invite me over. Why not? Okay. So why you... not I say retro it to the 17th? Okay. And you get the 10th. Okay. Okay. Is that fair? Those are Mondays. No, no. no you, so if it if it's before the 17th, you win. If it's after the 17th, I win. Okay. Is that how we're do doing that? this? Yeah. Okay. Before December 17th, I win. That gives me great odds. I'm kind of nervous, actually. Okay, let's make it the 10th. Let's make it the 10th. Okay, the 10th. Pre and post December 10th, okay? Yeah. I get pre, you get post. All right. Wonderful. And great branding. Everybody remember this. And what's the bet for? The bet is for... um, Well, the last one, I wanted an extra large. I was going all in. So I want a brand new... A bag of Atlas Moth coffee. Okay. Ungrinded. Done. Done. Okay. That's I will, what I, I want. I will pay for it, and I will have it shipped to Canada myself. Now, are you going to be smart and actually uh, go for something more significant than just a regular? Hmm. I think you ordered uh, small was what you yeah. wanted here in a bet. I mean, okay, if I win, how about this, John? You keep your small coffee, double or nothing for me. Okay. With this next one, <laughs> I want. Some type of device that'll help me grind coffee. Oh, okay. okay. You want a coffee grinder? Not nothing expensive. Nothing expensive. Even if it's like a hand grinder, I'm cool with it. I just I just want something. I don't even drink coffee that much, but I just want something that I can grind coffee with. Grinding. I feel this that your neighbor is going to add so much entertainment to our sh- our show this year. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a dramatic bet. One day we'll have him on. All right. 
before we get to Raw, we got to talk about this week. Yeah. This is Strong Style Evolved Week here at PostWrestling.com, mm-hmm. and we have got a lot of shows coming up this week. Mm-hmm. We have some debuts. We have some bonus shows. We have some returns. We do have some returns. So mm-hmm. Tuesday night, it's Rewind to SmackDown. Then Wednesday night, we've got the British Wrestling Experience, where Benno and Ollie, who just attended the WXW 16 Karat Gold Tournament, are going to be joined by Striga, as they're going to be chatting about the tournament, which from a media perspective, might be the most envious I've been of a wrestling event. The WXW knows what's going on. Out of Germany. Yes. Mm -hmm. They have a media room. They they make the talent available for open-ended press conferences. Wow. Like, they do a professional job. Like, I look at the, the media that is tweeting about coverage there. It's like a UFC event. It's like cool. they, they understand that the media is here to play a role. I would love to go to one of these tournaments. I it would be no, a ton of fun. I mean, outside of the WWF events, I don't... I mean, most WWF events, you don't have a media room outside of WrestleMania, but I can't tell... I can't remember another time where I've ever had a media room. Nothing touches the the infamous WrestleMania press conference. I mean, that is one I want to experience another one in my lifetime. <sighs> Those are terrible. Oh, boy. Um, but anyway, they're going to be chatting about that Wednesday night. Thursday, it is the debut of Up Next with Braden Harrington and Bartender Dave. We announced this on our roundtable show, which dropped on Sunday. That is out there and free. They are going to be catching you up to speed on what's been going down in NXT land, as well as reviewing this week's episode. It sounds like Dave is going to catch Braden up on what's been going on in NXT, and therefore the rest of you can join along and be caught up as well. Yes, it's going to be very much the heavy lifting performed by Bartender Dave. Um, And then on... Thursday as by, well. By the way, uh, both those shows, the British Wrestling Experience and, and now, as of today, Up Next, are all available on their own feeds. Go up to the iTunes store, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in, not tune in radio yet, but uh, everything else, RSS, uh, go and subscribe to those shows. Yes. And leave them feedback, everybody. It, it especially helps them. I mean, the same way you guys helped us when we launched, give them the same amount of support because... Um, they're starting off with a smaller base, and we want to see it grow, and we want to see them get as much attention as, as the shows that you hear with us. Yes, that goes for uh, Keep It 2000 as well. Mm-hmm. They all have their own individual feeds, so you can customize, and yeah, do subscribe and leave feedback. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, I'll also be back on Thursday with WH for our monthly discussion. We're going to go through the New Japan Cup Finals that I know way you've been following very mm-hmm. heavily, and we're also going to preview... The Long Beach card on Sunday, which currently has three matches announced. I hope we have more to talk about after Wednesday's show because they got to get the Long Beach card together. And then Sakura Genesis is the following weekend. So Mm -hmm. two big shows coming out from New Japan. That'll be a free show on this feed. Yes. Free show. Uh, WH has also subscribed to the new All Japan streaming service. So he'll give us an early review, a buy or sell on All Japan Mm -hmm. TV. And then Friday, it's our Patreon review with our good pal, Jay Hunter from OSW fame. Mm-hmm. He's going to be joining us, and we're reviewing the WWF Smack'em Whack'em release from Coliseum Home Video. A title for a videotape that you might be embarrassed to show your parents. Uh, oh, th- this video is just the video, ridiculous. Though, is incredible, though. Okay? It's a great video. I'm just saying, if you're if 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 Smack'em Whack'em appears on your credit card bill, you might have some explaining to do to your mom. Oh, I didn't even but, think of that. But um, but this is of course a, a Coliseum Home video that's up there on WWE Network right now that features the Bushwhackers. Well, I was gonna say something else, but uh, it features two to me 
great matches that I haven't seen but have heard lots about. Uh, the first ever ladder match in the WWF between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and the previously unreleased uh, house show match involving Bret Hart and Ric Flair from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, October 12th of 1992 with Bret Hart winning the title, mm -hmm. which I would imagine for many people that this Coliseum home video was the first time they got to see this match. Yeah. So that's all part of this Coliseum home video and it was Jay Hunter's choice so we will be joined by Jay to get his thoughts on this release some uh, 26 years later yep sign up for that right now and you'll get that show you'll get the uh, Sakura Genesis uh, review that's going to come up uh, next Sunday and as well uh, Ask Away is coming out next week as well so patreon.com slash post wrestling yes and the week rounds out with Sunday night free show me and way reviewing strong style evolved, which will be airing on access TV in the U S and for most of the world on new Japan world elsewhere. And so. that too will be a free show for everybody just to, because that's a bigger show that I imagine a lot of people will have access to, uh, no, no pun intended, but, uh, we want to give you guys a glimpse too of, of, uh, you know, if you're kind of curious about new Japan, didn't really jump fully in until, uh, Russell kingdom, like myself, this is another chance for you guys to jump on board. Cause it's, it's been the best wrestling I've been watching this thus far this year. So bookmark them now, postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. That will take you to the Patreon sign up and you'll get all of these great shows coming out. All right. Enough. Plus. No, that's all. It's time to get into Raw from Monday night. Uh, first of two straight nights at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Back-to-back -back nights in Dallas. And it started off with Kurt Angle coming out. And he has some bad news. Roman Reigns' suspension is still in effect. And he won't be here. Which did not upset the crowd all that much. It definitely sounded fully mixed to me. It was a like, mixed reaction. Um, like as 50-50 as a half-boo, half-cheer crowd could sound. It, like, it, it sounded like a smoothie of boos and cheers. That was kind of the segment overall, the audience's reaction. Hmm. He says that Lesnar's not made it to the arena yet, but has been assured by Vince McMahon that he will be here. And he moves on to Braun Strowman and what he's going to do about this tag title match at WrestleMania with Braun not having a partner when Roman Reigns appears through the crowd... In street clothes. Which I was noting to myself that he's one of the few guys that can get away with his gear subbing as street clothes. Yeah, like if you're ever curious about what Roman Reigns wears on the streets, well, it looks... Tank top and his cargo pants and boots. Black? No, this isn't even a tank top. It's his t-shirt with the sleeves cut off in the shape of his vest. So he basically wears... Uh, he got on the subway in Dallas, took it to the arena, and then walked in with a presumably a ticket. He wears a very accurate uh, street version of his in-ring gear, complete, of course, with wet hair. Well, Roman always has to have... He's born with wet hair. Reigns just walks right into the ring. Nobody stops him. He's good. And he's here to represent the main event of WrestleMania. He said he was suspended for telling the truth, and... Kurt tells Reigns to be patient until WrestleMania. I understand, but I don't care. This is Dallas, Texas. Yay! Yes! He knows where he is. Oh, it was just like the most pandering line. He isn't leaving here until he faces Lesnar, and he sits down in a chair as Angle just stumbles his way to the back. 
when out come the U.S. Marshals. Unarmed, by the way. Like, is this how the the Marshals typically look? Um, Is this martial wear? What, three goofballs that work indies on the weekend in the Texas wrestling scene? I don't know. Were they at least dressed like marshals? I don't know what the U.S. Marshals look like. Let me let me look this up. Well, they came out and the back read U.S. Marshal. Okay, I believe it then. One dude started reading Roman his Miranda rights. Oh my God, the marshals look like they look like a SWAT team, but I mean they 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 needed the vest. They should have been need, armed. Maybe need, that would have been more intimidating. Gun down Roman. Yeah, shield vest. They handcuffed Roman. They grabbed them, and Rain says, "I'll let you do your job, but don't touch me." And one of the guys hit him, and then Reigns beat the hell out of these guys. They flew. They ate elbows. And then, in a scene right out of 2004, I think you and I were the only ones that knew exactly where this angle was going once those handcuffs were locked on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, ma- it's mania season. It's Bring mania season. Cuffs. Time to go to the greatest hits. Yeah. Uh, this was, if you listen to our WrestleMania 20 review, like a verbatim angle that they did with Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero leading into 2004, minus the U.S. Marshals. Yeah, a listener pointed out that they also did this with Daniel Bryan in WrestleMania 30 with Triple H. Well, so, this is a go-to then. Like I said, mania season, bring out the cuffs. Yes. So Lesnar's music hits. Roman is alone, handcuffed, and he takes a German suplex, another German, Michael Cole, always forcing me to go up to dictionary.com. Lesnar hitting him with an iniquitous attack. Wow. What is please give me the definition? Uh I, I looked it up earlier. It was essentially an attack. <laughs> um there were boos at the end as Lesnar was leaving. Then he returned, delivered more chair shots. The goal was to make Lesnar come off as a coward. He returned a third time. The audience seemed more into mm-hmm. Lesnar as this continued. The more he returned, the more the audience cheered for Brock and started laughing at Roman. He hit an F five to him. And then finally, Reigns is strapped to a stretcher. Lesnar returns for a fourth time, knocking over the stretcher with Reigns on it, and then drags the stretcher, which was quite the visual. You know, if this had been... I almost felt like the audience... Like, there was portions of them that just didn't know how to react. And there were others that just thought Brock was just... This was great. Mm -hmm. And... I just imagine, like, if you had a really sympathetic babyface here, if you had a Daniel Bryan in this mm-hmm. role, how much different this would have come across. Mm-hmm. Roman is not a sympathetic babyface. Not at all. No. Like, I, I see him very much like Triple H in that way, where when Triple sure. H was a babyface, it was just so hard to gain sympathy on this guy because mm-hmm. he's a world beater mm-hmm. um, that sells very little. Mm-hmm. Um, and this role really was trying to draw upon sympathy that there's very little there for Roman. Um, that's, that's, but that's Roman though. Like that's been their uphill battle with Roman ever since day one. He is, you know, a good looking muscular guy that is as far from the every man as, as I think you could find in the WWE yet they have a vision of trying to present him as an every man and they've struggled against it, but you know, they, they, they haven't given up trying, and this was another example of it. I mean, if we simply, to me though, if we just look at the base representation of Roman Reigns in these past few weeks with this Brock angle, I think they've done a good job. If we, like, if you forget all the history of Roman Reigns, if you forget the fact that he's already main evented three WrestleManias, has built up all this resentment from an audience who 
doesn't want to see him push this far so soon. I think if you just judge this angle for what it is, I feel like they've done a really good job with him, promoting him as somebody who, you know, uh, comes from a wrestling background, and he's defending his business against a guy who doesn't respect it at all. And I thought doing the handcuff thing here was also really good too. The problem is it's, it is Roman Reigns, and there is this history attached to him that you have to do a whole lot to let the audience forget. I mean, I still thought this was good. I thought he was presented very heroic here, very likable. What I didn't like, though, was when they had Brock coming back multiple times because I think that worked against him. That's the exact same tactic that they used for Braun Strowman to babyface Braun Strowman, having the guy come out and giving the fans what they want, attacking this helpless victim. It didn't make Roman feel sympathetic by the end. Yeah, I I think it's a real uphill climb of what they're attempting to do and how the audience is reacting to it. Um, to me, it's like what I logically want to see the only angle or involvement I want to see these two have before mania is actually Brock cutting a promo, which I think if he came back at Roman with like his receipt promo, that would put Lesnar in such a positive light. If he defended himself, why do you want that though? Um, the goal to, to... I, I just think it'd be good television. I think it'd just be natural that this guy comes back and says... But isn't isn't the goal to heal Brock Lesnar? Well, I'm saying that's that's the goal. And if that's where we're going with this, I don't know how much more you have left to do here. I don't think it's working. I don't think that the audience is going to be booing Lesnar at WrestleMania. I, If anything, like I think it's going to be a very good match between the two. And that's, I think, the best you can hope for. Hmm. I don't think you're going to have the dynamic you want between these two. So mm-hmm. I don't know what you do next week, and I don't know what you do in two weeks with these two. I don't want to see them f- grabbing and playing tug of war with the title. I don't want to see a contract signing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much is left outside of Brock rarely talks, and that's something to do going into this potentially final match for him. I think you're you're still going to see a, a, a bit more of a, a promo battle between Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. Uh, I think we've yet to kind of see the climax of of their story of, of Roman, you know, being resentful that Brock Lesnar is a part-timer. And yeah, I feel like they still have somewhere to go with that. Uh, probably a big physical angle on the la- last day, Roman maybe getting his comeuppance or, or Roman giving Brock his comeuppance maybe on the last day. Um, there's still some story to be told, uh, but I'll say like overall, this doesn't feel like a, a lame duck angle. Like it feels like it's a hot match to me. Yeah, it feels like it's, it is an important match. You could argue it's probably being pushed as, what would you say, the number two match on the show? Yeah. At I the mean, moment, behind the mixed tag? It, it depends, though, because like, I think Nakamura-Styles has a lot of the interest of, you know, their rapidly growing hardcore fan base. And I mean, See, I don't feel the... Like, I, I think that come the day of WrestleMania, that's going to be a big match to mm-hmm. people. But today, I think they've done very little to to take what was already your given that yeah. people want to see this match and enhancing it and mm. of making Nakamura this you know, telling that story. I mean, look at the effort they've put into Roman and Brock oh. and compare it to Tuesday of what mm. they've done between the two. Yeah. It's almost a different audience that you're building the two matches for though. Like AJ versus Nakamura is for your hardcores is for, you know, your internet fans, your Reddit fans, Brock and Roman is more for your casuals. I would say, um, but, you know, when it comes to WrestleMania, I mean, you kind of have to fulfill both audiences, right? So, um, yeah, it's hard to say. But certainly Roman versus Brock is, 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 has, has the bigger star power. Yeah. 
Michael Cole says, I don't think I've ever witnessed a more cold-hearted, abhorrent, senseless, or premeditated assault. What was that word again? Oh, there were many of them. Abhorrent, senseless, or premeditated assault. What was the last one? The one you had to look up. Oh, iniquitous attack? Iniquitous, okay. Iniquitous attack. I'm trying to remember that one. A lot of words from Michael Cole. Again, I go to the Braun Strowman precedent. This was the most cold-blooded thing we have seen. What are you talking What? This isn't even the most... Uh, what are you talking about? He sa- he's calling this this angle oh. that we just saw. The most cold-hearted, senseless, and premeditated assault. Well, Michael, when Michael Roman Cole- was in an ambulance, flipped over. Didn't Michael Cole cover the war? Yes. Some, some war? Like the Gulf War or something like that? But he did state... Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, he actually, he didn't qualify it as, as we've seen on Raw. He just said that he's ever witnessed. Okay. Uh, Coachman says it's the most brutal attack we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> Couple months. And then Cole goes on to say, well, we've got to move on and talk about Alexa Bliss. So they are moving past this abhorrent, senseless, premeditated assault. And they aired a feature on Alexa and Nia recapping the angle from last week. And Alexa comes out along with Mickey James and her new wardrobe. She's got her hair up. She had her hair up yeah. and I guess was ready to square up. Um, I don't know how to describe this other than this looked like Mickey when she was maybe 20 years old going to a club. She had more volume in her hair than probably on the loudspeaker system in Dallas. Yeah, something about... Uh... She could have auditioned for the TV series Dallas with this hair. Wow. Something about, I, I think, turning bad just makes you want to make your hair taller. Yeah. Yeah, and wear a see-through shirt. Yeah, perhaps. I think it's become clear that the whole basis of this Mickey James heel turn is to simply have another thin girl standing next to Alexa Bliss as they tell this Nia Jax story. Is that the reasoning for this? It has to be, right? One day Mickey will open up. It's probably it's too fr- The wound is too fresh of mm-hmm. what's caused this change in her life. Alexa apologizes for what she said about Naya and didn't realize she had a worldwide audience watching. They were just joking around. It was girl talk. And she's sorry. I sincerely apologize that I didn't speak the truth earlier and I didn't lose an ounce of sleep or have any remorse. Naya was humiliated. I loved every second of it. And then she quickly says, I used Naya, stops herself, and... To the waiting point that these are not just promos, they are live VO sessions. Mm-hmm. She said it very slow. I use Naya. So coming to a video package near you, yes. WrestleMania Day. Yes, yes, um, yes. Anyway, I immediately thought of you, eh? Yeah. An astute observation. No, clearly, clearly. I mean, um, this was obviously a line that was supposed to be yeah. emphasized. And I mean, we, you know, that you can debate about whether or not that's healthy. I mean, how you can argue that it didn't hurt. You can't do some of these packages without key lines like that so you know we'll we'll watch the videos and we'll determine but um i thought i thought alexa did a good job as usual they're actually like the fact that they're already having alexa basically confirm that yeah i never let like nigh this whole time to me it seems maybe a little bit rushed especially when you compare it to like uh you know uh, angles like the jericho owens angle of last year which was kind of similar to former best friends who now hate each other that seemed to have a much slower build towards that the match, and that was almost the opposite, where they had to kill time to and, and try to keep this thing hot as they head towards Mania. This is an angle 
that they're doing four weeks, three weeks ahead of the match at WrestleMania. That's a lot so. of this WrestleMania card that, I mean, what is your, forget like six month, what's your three month story that has led to this? It's very, mm. um, no, I, I mean, you're not going to always have that. And I think this year in particular, they were very much slaves to the that Elimination Chamber and Fastlane mm-hmm. show that they kind of kept the card under wraps until those shows were out of the way. But is that... You know, it, it, is that still a reasonable expectation in the current, I guess, landscape of, of their business where they have to do a show every week uh, or every month? Like, Naya basically was, was taken up for a bunch of other things. You know, she did the Ask a Match, like a bunch of other things prior to being able to tell this breakup story right now. Can we still expect, like, six-month-long six stories? Even the Jericho thing felt like it, it took too long. I think that there's a there's a balance to at least be planting seeds for right. things that are going to harvest come WrestleMania season sure. that you can have. I mean, this was Nia and Alexa, this this breakup story. Like once you know that card, you can you can work backwards. It's not right. necessarily shooting your angle in November, but mm. it's at least giving you hints knowing mm. where the, that's that's professional wrestling is being able to know your destination. Do you think there were hints of this at all? It's hard for me to try to think of like what hints we would have had of this Naya and Alexa breakup. Um, I mean, there were there were some. I mean, linking the two together that I think you, you know, this one I think more than others they did have some, um, some hints towards. Mm. Um, just the fact that they they had it together. But you're right. It was mm. like this essentially was one week it's the breakup and next week the match is announced. Mm-hmm. She said she dropped three hundred pounds of a sad pathetic loser, and. Um, I, I noted here that like the audience here felt m- more sympathy for Nia Jax than they did Roman Reigns in the opening segment. Oh, completely. Like a yeah. ton more. Yeah. I mean, that's not surprising to me. Like Nia is not somebody who's been overexposed and I thought Nia, you know, her freak out last night, last week was, was really good. And it's a story that I think a lot of people could relate to anybody who's ever been picked on. You could easily relate to, whereas Roman's. His is a, t- a bit tougher to buy because he's already seen so much success. Yes. Yeah, so, um, jokes about someone's weight versus attempted murder. Those are the, the heartstrings to pull on for this audience. Then Alexa mentions she's going to end Asuka's streak. So, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, on Raw. As they said, this could have been the WrestleMania match. Thankfully, it wasn't. Uh, Alexa was in control for a long time. And then... Asuka came back and went for her reverse hip attack in midair. And they say everything is bigger in Texas. And the gap between (laughs) Alexa and Asuka on this spot was big. This was horrendous. Mm -hmm. Mickey distracts her on the apron. Alexa nails her, sends her to the floor. Corey Graves made a reference to Regina George and Karen Smith from Mean Girls, to which Coach says no one knows who that is. And Graves defends it as a great pop culture reference, which Mean Girls is right at the expiration point of being a relevant pop culture reference. Really? Guess when that movie came out? Uh, I know, I know, but I, I maybe I'm just like... One month after WrestleMania 20. <laughs> that does feel like a long time ago, but then like... I mean, I didn't personally get the Mean reference. Girls is a teenager now. Mean Girls... <laughs> Is now okay. a mean girl. Star Wars is from 1977, okay. so what? It's not a big deal. I'm just saying, hey, if Coach is arguing that this isn't a... Some it, movies transcend their period. And is Mean Girls one of those those movies? I, I are say Are these characters? Are these characters? Okay. Because that's Maybe what it's was listed. I don't know. I'm not sure. 
Okay, we'll go knock on your neighbor's door and ask him about Karen yeah. Smith. I find it interesting, though, that like ever since Jonathan Coachman has replaced Booker T, we that's drastically changed Corey Graves. Like He no longer plays kind of the bullying role. Instead, it's If anything, Coachman. on this show, they kind of got on Graves. Yeah, it's Coachman that's yeah. kind of essentially making Corey... Embarrassing Corey, uh, if Corey says something embarrassing. So I, I find that dy- dynamic very fascinating. Yeah, I think Coachman has kind of found himself, like those first few weeks, it seemed to be someone that was thrust into a role where he was playing catch up and getting familiar with all the stories and characters. And I think over this past, past month, he has quietly just kind of got up to speed on everything. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say this guy's the greatest broadcaster there, but he's he's fine in the role. Yeah. Um, he's not offending me. Alexa hit a code red out of the corner, then threw a tantrum. Asuka applies an ankle lock, and Alexa tries to get to the rope, grabs Mickey's hand, they get separated, gets the rope, goes to the floor, and then Mickey just walks out with her, and she's counted out. And as they're going up the ramp, Naya runs out, knocking over Mickey, chases after Alexa, catches her, but then Mickey attacks from behind, Mickey's thrown into the ring, and then Alexa leaves through the crowd as Cole notes that Naya is emotionally hurt. As she chases her to the back on her bad ankle. Count-up victory, I thought. Um, an all-right match, you know. Um, neither of them could afford a loss right now. So, whatever. Not much to say. It's kind of the, the only match, finish so. you could do. Yep. Uh, really just to set up for the uh, post-match angle. Kurt Angle had his I'm-on-the-phone look in his office. As Alexa storms in, complaining about Nyan wants her suspended or arrested. Angle says that millions of young women saw what Alexa said last week, including his own daughter. She should be a role model, he says. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make a title match at WrestleMania between the two. I think the angle's good. I, I like the story. Again, it's very relatable. It's something that you don't need much explanation for. Oh, skinny girl picks on the fat girl. I'm in. I want to see the fat girl kick her ass. Great. What I, I think I would have liked to see differently, though, was Naya show a bit of desire for Alexa's title because the way this match was just made, the title feels like a complete afterthought. Kurt Angles just sa- just says, you know what? You get Naya gets a title shot just out of nowhere. The title just almost feels like an accessory when I feel like Naya should be using the title as the way to ultimately get at Alexa. Naya herself needs to express that she wants this title more than anything. She needs to show Alexa uh, you know, no matter how you look, whatever, whatever, I don't know. They they can write the lines. But um, I just think the title needs to be the prize at the end of it. And it feel, here, with the way this match was announced, it feels very kind of forgotten about. It comes down to the timing as well that, I mean, we threw out the idea that maybe they do a women's gauntlet to set up the challenger at WrestleMania. But after you announced the Battle Royal last week, kind of defeats the purpose of all these women that are now going to be competing for a title shot when you've earmarked so many of them for the battle royal. Yeah. I think it just comes down to um, uh, just lack of options that they had. I will say, though, watching this segment <clears throat> with Kurt, it's just like snaps his fingers, makes this match. Mm-hmm. The Revival snap their fingers. They're in a match. John Cena, shit out of luck. In hindsight, there definitely are problems with that Cena angle that I think they could have easily fixed. All he had to do was explain, I only have so many WrestleManias left, I want them to mean something. Mm -hmm. Yes, I could be in a match on the card, but Mm -hmm. I want to be on the match on the card. Mm -hmm. I want something, 
I want to have a legacy moment at WrestleMania. And that's it. I don't want to just be another guy on this card. I want to be in a major match. And if it's not for the title, I don't know what that's going to be. That's a very tiny tweak. That's a couple lines that you just said that I think would have satisfied a lot of the critics of, of the angle. And I think they could have had some, you know, similar tweaks for angles like this. But, again, we're here to nitpick. That's our job, isn't it? Can I do one more nitpick? Yes, please. What happens to Asuka if she wins at WrestleMania? She go, keeps the title. She goes on to SmackDown and defends it for a year until she has an inevitable match against Ronda Rousey. If you're Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. are you not concerned that one of your major stars is now in a position to leave your brand? That is very true. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that, would this guy not be a little bit... Uh, maybe you don't want to have him upset and getting involved in an angle here. But it's like, here's your major star that's announcing, yeah, I'm taking off. So they've yet to explain that. But but do we know our champions are it's not... A, it's a SmackDown title, right? Champions are not eligible for um, the shakeup, correct? Like, if you're the SmackDown champion, you can't be eligible to, to be shooken up. They didn't switch any champions last year. No, I don't think so. Um, and I, I mean, the way they branded like the women's and tag titles, it's, it's like it's the raw yeah. women's champion and the raw tag team champion. So could they have done something playing, playing with this... Where Kurt tries to get Asuka to lose. Throw the match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or he's secretly training Charlotte to beat her. Yeah, wow, fascinating. You're right, that's a detail that, I mean, these nitpicks are all like, they might seem like they're nitpicking, but if if you're not dumb, they're just simple gaps in logic that I think we expect to be filled for any type of media or story that, that we, we invest our time in, in, in watching. Braun Strowman came out, chant of get these hands. He's been told he needs a partner. He doesn't feel he needs one. Now, I know you had quite an observation of this man when he first started wrestling with his nipples. Oh, yeah. Okay, there's a new one for him. It's not his nipples. But when he talks into the microphone, he's like kissing this microphone. It's on his lips as he's talking. If you watch this segment... I just thought it was so gross for the next person that had to... Like, JoJo having to use this thing for the rest of the night. Disgusting. Just disgusting. It's in his beard. It's right on his lips. Like, that's how he talks. I know. Yeah. Ugh. So it, it, we, I, I've noticed that, though. Uh, that, like, professional wrestlers, in particular, like, WWE-trained wrestlers, they hold their mics very close. And I'm sure that's that's by design. Because, like, once we did an interview with Edge on a red carpet, uh, it was actually for for the weigh-in. And um, Edge, his mic technique, he holds it very close. And when, like, you and I did interviews, like, for the Fight Network John, like, we, you know, like, we would, I guess, if you watch a TV anchor, they hold their mics a bit lower. Like, even if you watch Renee backstage, you hold the mic lower, right? The rule of thumb I was always... uh taught was that distance between sure. the mic yeah like your sternum where you're, where yes. you're that's where that's what i always like that was a reference people. for our video watchers yeah but um in the wwe if you watch these guys cut their promos perhaps it's simply due to, to the the setting that they're in because they're they're cutting an, a promo in front of a giant audience in a big cavernous hall they need to hold their mics up very close and maybe braun Strowman took that lesson I thought he was going to eat this microphone. I had to watch it twice just because I didn't know what he was saying the first time. I was just too transfixed. So he will have a partner. 
Any prediction? I mean, I think at the top of a lot of people's lists would be James Ellsworth. Somebody who debuted against Braun Strowman. The the big little dynamic, I think, is always a, a very impressive, fun visual. Um, I really, I mean, I have to imagine that he is under consideration. Um, but I would like to see Ellsworth. I'd rather see him with Carmella. Also, the last time you saw Ellsworth, he was a, he was a heel. And I don't think they're going to hire him back because they just let him go. Uh, so I don't know. Who do you think? Um, the options that are there, um, you could do Joe um, if he's ready. That makes no sense to me, though. Like, why would I? I don't Two think, monsters. I don't think you could put another monster in there because that makes that second monster not feel like a monster at all. You know, whoever the second person is is going to seem like a like like a dwarf next to Braun Strowman. Unless he's also as big as Braun Strowman. Um, and and he's already overpowered anyway. Braun could win the match by himself, so you kind of need somebody on the level of a James Ellsworth, I think, who's just there for comedic effect. Maybe um, Big Cass. <laughs> he's, a, he's about as tall as him. Oh. Yeah, I wonder. Who would make sense? God, those are Braun's candidates. Uh, yeah. They obviously know Carmella's who Carmella's X or Storyline X. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to see. It Maybe it's the celebrity role. Maybe it's Kid Rock. No, no, we kid, but like... Kid Rock yeah. and Braun Strowman. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, 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 that really could be a prime spot for a celebrity. Maybe Shaq. Shaq, yeah. Well, whoever it is, they have to win the... They'll probably lose then. Don't you think? Uh, You have a... I, I think... I think they'll win the tag titles, whoever it is. Really? I think, I think you'll do the title switch. And then what do you do? You just have Braun hold the, the tag belts and you have him in the tag team division? He'll just like, he'll have to, I don't know, we'll see. I'm suddenly a lot more interested in this match than I thought I'd be. I wouldn't go that far, but it's something. The bar comes out. They stated that throwing your opponents over the top rope is different than beating the greatest tag team in history. And Cesaro explains how long it takes to form that tag team chemistry. You have to be on the road together, work out together, eat together, and he says sleep together. And everyone laughs because that's gay. <laughs> and Seamus says he meant room together. Ah, ha, ha. Seamus doesn't care. If his partner is Black Panther, Captain America, Rick Sanchez, or even Jerry Jones, which got booed by the Dallas fans. I don't I don't really get the reference. Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And not and not, he's not well liked. Apparently not, no. Um they've beaten every team on Raw. They'll do the same to Braun. And Braun says, Well, Kurt has granted me a match with one of you right now. And it ended up being Braun versus Cesaro. Sheamus had a bit of a flub in the middle there. And instead of, like, stumbling through it, he says, wait, let me try that again. (laughs) And I just think this is, like, what tends to happen when you have these, you know, very rehearsed scripted promos where... Haven't you ever gotten into an (laughs) argument with someone and they're so heated that they're just like... Yeah, let me, you stu- uh, let me start that again, Way. <laughs> yeah, no, that never happens. It only happens That's when never happened in an actual argument. When in your mind you have this obstacle course that you're supposed to run through, and when you skip one of these obstacles, you got to rewind and go back to to do it because you know that this is ultimately going to be used for a video package. So in the end, it doesn't matter anyways. What matters is that you get the line out. 
and it, it you you get stupid effects like this. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I'm very tired at this point. But you throwing that line out, how much more fun would Braun versus Cesaro at WrestleMania be in an obstacle course? <laughs> like those two doing like an American Ninja Warrior duel. NXT used to be that. I would love to watch to these two do that. I mean, Cesaro is athletic as hell. Mm. And Braun just doing anything crazy would be f- so much more fun than him mm. in a wrestling match. I don't know. But I don't know. No? Okay. I don't think Braun would do... Uh, Braun would be terrible at American Ninja Warrior. Oh, I know. I just yeah. want to see him attempt this. Uh. We got our first uh, visual of the Hardy compound where Matt is with Senior Benjamin, Queen Rebecca playing the piano. King Maxwell and Lord Wolfgang. And then Vanguard 1 scanned the property, and Benjamin was informed to go prepare the battlefield for later tonight and the ultimate deletion. Mm-hmm. We come back from break, and all of a sudden, a match has begun with Titus and Apollo against the Revival. There was an atomic drop into a leg drop from Dawson and Dash. Apollo then got tagged in. He took out both of them, fired up on them. Dash then pulls Titus to the floor. Apollo hits a dive, high cross, and then an enziguri to Scott Dawson. He lifts up Dawson, who tags Dash, but Apollo doesn't see the tag, and they're able to capitalize and hit the shatter machine and win in three minutes, ten seconds. And afterwards, Charlie asks them how they're going to get to WrestleMania, and they said, that one's easy. We're going to be the first tag team to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I guess that means they want to finish as the final two. Yes. Like Bret Hart and Bad News Allen did at WrestleMania 4. Only that's not how Battle Royals ended. We have a precedent. Mm-hmm. They had to fight to the death. Yeah. Then the trophy got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this was certainly... Uh... Cho- like, anyone can get into WrestleMania. Like, you just need an interview. Charlie mm-hmm. is your key to the road to WrestleMania. You, just, you really just have to announce it. That's it. Yeah. Then we had the Mark Henry Hall of Fame video. It started off with him talking about how he loves this business, like he loves his family. He's an emotional guy. And they showed him coming up in weightlifting, going to the Olympics, and we get his entry into the WWF, joining the nation as sexual chocolate in 1999, and then we cut to 2011. And a decade did (laughs) not happen in this guy's career, which is, on one hand, hey, they got to edit stuff to make this a video package, in those 10 years way, what of Mark Henry really stood out to you? Was it his run with Teddy Long as his manager? Was it a casket match with The Undertaker? Didn't he win the title? 2011, he won the title. Oh, yeah. He was an ECW champion, if that counts. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh... Like, you way. can skip that decade in Mark Henry's career. Yeah. But, was... hey, man, this guy, when he won the title in 2011, he was great by that point. He was. And then, as, um... It was Brian Fritz who suggested this, and it has to happen. The induction with the salmon jacket. I think so. Like, how can you not? When you think back on the career of Mark Henry, you think perhaps of sexual chocolate. You no, think I don't. Of, you think of the hand. But as far as, like, his greatest works, it's not, obviously, not any particular match. He's not known for that. It's that salmon suit promo. Arguably the greatest thing he's done in his career. That's so. it. The, the title win in the salmon promo. Those are the two. I'd say the salmon promo above the top. That's number one. That would be number one. His greatest performance. He will certainly, I hope, reference that moment. And I think they'll replay it. And I have to imagine that he'll bring it out. 
or or it might be on the show and showcase in the Hall of Fame. As far as like suit jackets go, that might be one of the more popular suit jackets in wrestling history. It's kind of weird because he's so well known for a fake retirement speech. And that's what this Hall of Fame speech... Like, this should be his retirement speech. Oh, and shouldn't he... Uh, what if he just fakes everybody out at the end of the speech? Oh, he gets the tears going. Yeah. Just fakes it again. Um, Who do you think inducts him? D'Lo. I want to see D'Lo back. D'Lo? Yeah. Come uh, on, yeah. who else could it be? Uh, of ones that come to mind? Yeah. I could see the big show doing it. I could see... Ron Simmons. Yeah. D-Lo would be a great choice. I think D-Lo would be a great choice. D-Lo hasn't been seen in years. I, I think the audience would love it, and I think the audience would love seeing those two together again. Maybe maybe D-Lo drives him to the, uh, to the Hall of Fame. He's the chauffeur. I don't remember that. That was the, the date he had with China where he got D-Lo to be his driver. Oh. So anyway... I think most remarkable is the fact that this guy lasted in this company as long as he did. Like, that 10-year contract was viewed upon, like, how can they just get to the end of this deal? Mm-hmm. That was always the conspiracy theory, is that this guy was throwing so many angles with the idea, he's got to quit. He's got to walk away from this. And he didn't care. He was like, I'll do whatever. I mean, like... And not, then he got a renewal. It feels like it took him probably, like, 15 years to really feel comfortable. And yes. to really find his, you know, his his selling point as a professional wrestler. Uh, it was also notable, notable here that there was a clip from The Rock, from, I would say, uh, probably The Rock's last appearance. Um, yeah. Either that or the Page movie uh, camp, like thing that they did. So, I mean, you you could tell that they, they saw this Mark Henry retirement and induction coming for a This was time. almost Kid Rock level in terms of importance. Sure. It was big. But, but, yeah, it was a long, like, we all knew this was coming for a long time now with Mark Henry. Yeah, and I guess the only other name that's out there that's expected is Bam Bam Bigelow for this Another class. name? Yeah. Jesus, this is a big class. It's like nine speeches, I would that's say, plus be a the long... people inducting them. Either, it's either going to be a really long night or some very short speeches. We'll see. Uh, then they aired a video on Women's History Month with all the eras of the women. Uh you watched the WWE 24 afterwards, so when yeah. we're done this, Way might go sure. through this. But I think it's worth noting in both the 24 video and even in this brief thing, Abby, no fabulous moolah. Oh, my God. Like, at least for these several weeks, and I would suggest maybe even the rest of the year or even years, she, she's basically... <laughs> Hulk, like in that same group as your Hulk Hogan's and, and maybe not even Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan still gets mentioned but like at least for this week it feels like she's kind of on that you know I don't want to name any names but you know the level of guys that don't get any mention any coverage at all you know they know what, how, how much of a I think hot water topic she is right now yeah it's I don't know I don't know how I feel about just like someone doesn't exist you know what I mean? It's like... But was there a reason to mention her here? Um, not here. Um, you'd have a better sense in the documentary. No like, mention at her in that documentary, in the 24. It's like if you were going to do a... But Mae Young they did mention because Mae Young... Um, I mean, they were talking about the, the Mae Young classic and gave a whole section about Mae Young. Um, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I, I And obviously that was heavily edited because you would have figured with the Battle Royal that... That 24 
Mula would have been all over that thing. That's where they got all the clips for the Battle Royal last week, was all the women that they did sit-downs with. We'll talk more about it later, but the 24 was was covering the the um, the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So I want, I don't know how much, uh, when they produced it, when they, if they w- knew whether or not the Mula thing was, was announced before they finished production on that. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did some editing, certainly. But at least in the body of this show, no mention of the renaming of that Battle Royal, no mention of Mula at all. Yeah, only that it was when Sasha did the promo, she called it the the women's battle royal. Yeah, let's just kind of sweep, sweep it under the rug and pretend it never happened. Yeah, that's it. Bailey comes out for this is the next segment, and is followed by Sasha. They're scheduled to have a tag match, but Banks says that she doesn't hide from problems or talk behind people's back, and she says Bailey's her best friend and wants to fix this, and wasn't trying to betray their friendship. And she said she intends to win the Women's Battle Royal, confirming no singles match between these two. Oh, yeah. Damn. Well, okay. When you see the match total, I think... Absolutely fine. 14 is probably the Mm. most they can fit on this show. I also imagine that they will be the two favorites to last that Battle Royal, and if they aren't, then I imagine a big moment of their story to be told within it. And when you look at the women you expect in this Battle Royal, who even have storylines mm-hmm. uh, going on? Yep, not Becky, not Naomi. Like, this is the only issue that's part of that Battle Royal when you go up and down. Mm-hmm. Like, like you'll have bodies in the ring, but this is the only story that's yeah. there. Bailey says she wasn't trying to win anything when she didn't tag in last week. Uh, or two weeks ago, and left her high and dry. And sorry, this is all Sasha saying this stuff to Bailey. Anyway, she brings up how Bailey left her twice and considers Bailey her sister and says, I forgive you. And the crowd boos this. And Bailey says she was angry the night after Elimination Chamber and next week actually helped her in winning. And then she took off. She said that what she did at Elimination Chamber has been eating at her. And it's not what Sasha did. It's the way she enjoyed what she did. The smirk she had on her face that ate at her core. You kicked me down the pod and you smiled. And why did you enjoy knocking me down like it meant nothing? Why was it so easy for you to do that? And before Sasha could respond, Absolution interrupted. I might go so far as to say this was the best Bailey segment since she's been called up on the main roster. I thought her promo was great here. I thought Bailey was really good. Yeah, I, she felt very believable, very sympathetic. Overall, I really, I think they're doing a great job telling this story. I actually want to hear Sasha's response to this. Yeah, so the the idea that they're going to do it all for a battle royal, I mean, tells me that they're probably going to look to, well, they are looking to peak this after, afterwards. Yeah. yeah, so Absolution interrupted and Paige said that her girls will show her how real women settle the score. And the music stopped, but it didn't stop Mandy <sighs> I know. from doing her automated entrance. Mandy nor Sonia. Yeah. Like, Mandy was more noticeable because she's like she does like that pose lying mm. on the edge of the apron. And she did it to no music. Yeah. That just like... They're robots. Like, where yeah. do the batteries go? They're creative wrestlers who are programmed to walk these exact same steps every single time. This would yeah. be like a defect on your video game where it's like they're just randomly doing something and there's no sound. The music, yeah. <laughs> it was just cool. like the most bizarre thing. I know, I know. <laughs> so they had a tag match. They got the advantage on Sasha early going. Uh, Bailey was looking frustrated on the apron. 
Banks fought to the corner. DeVille was grabbing her away. Bailey reached and tagged herself in. Hit her reverse elbow. Sasha comes back and attacks Mandy. And Bailey goes for a backslide. But the referee is dealing with Sasha behind her. And Bailey gets upset at Sasha. DeVille then shoves them into one another. Kicks Bailey in the head. And Sonya pins Bailey. And Bailey's pissed. Sasha's pissed. Mm-hmm. And they're going into WrestleMania. Not as friends. Yeah, I thought good storytelling in the pre-match, verbal exchange, good storytelling in the match itself. So the you know. longest built-up story is the one that's not getting a match at WrestleMania. I think Sasha and Bailey, like I really enjoyed what they did with them this week. I, I mean, I really do feel like this has a bigger claim to having an actual spotlighted match than Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal. That's I always hate, your go-to. I hate that match. <laughs> I mean, it can, prove me wrong tomorrow, prove me wrong in the next three weeks, but that feud just sucks. Uh, then we had a Snickers ad with John Cena winning his first WWE title from JBL in 2005, uh, which set us into John Cena coming out for his segment. Panders by saying everything is bigger in Texas, and he's surprised The Undertaker is hiding because he feels embarrassed. He says it's ridiculous that The Undertaker feels he doesn't belong here anymore. Points out to a fan dressed as the old version of The Undertaker in the crowd and says he has heard nothing in response to his challenge and said that Taker has made the biggest mistake ever because it's disrespectful to him and the audience, everyone who's ever cheered for him and made him into a god. Undertaker would be nothing without these people. And he tells him to just say no. Just retire. Everyone will understand. But if not, say yes and give the world what they want to see. And instead, you're drowning in your insecurity and the man that you have become is a coward. Voiceover session. <laughs> the Undertaker is a coward. Okay, uh, I would say <laughs> every word that comes out of John Cena, whether on camera or not, is probably ripe for a, a, a promo video. Oh yeah, he's like, got the uh, the double A's right in his back of his back. He might be the most media trained guy of, of anybody. In professional wrestling right now, so I, I don't even think he had to practice much for this. I, I don't like the his improvisation probably sounds like it's pre-written. You have to watch the WrestleMania press conference from last week. I don't know if I have it in me, but it's like God. it's so weird because Stephanie and Cena are telling like these heartfelt stories of what WrestleMania means to them, and maybe I'm just such a jaded prick that it's yeah. just it's just so. Like, John Cena's up there, and it's John Cena. So it's like his John Cena formal presentation voice of, I was asked to come out here and share my experiences of WrestleMania. And that is a fine question to ask, because it means many different things to me. 13 years ago, I was a young man looking for a platform to speak however he felt needed to. Then I faced The Rock, and now... It is what I saw, the love of my life, and the WWE provided me a platform. We're, we're making fun of this, we're critical, but that's the exact type of person you want for a role like that. Yes, there's no one better than John Cena and Stephanie McMahon at being those people. Cena's better than, than oh man, Stephanie, 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 there's just something about Stephanie, and we'll talk about this on the 24th thing, but man, everything she says just like drives me nuts because nothing seems genuine even if she is i I, she could very well just be the most lovable person in the world but what a wrestlemania moment oh god anyway well yeah sorry please he goes on calling undertaker a coward 
He says, do something. Do some of that stupid stuff you do. Roll out a casket. The crowd then chanted, do something, which guaranteed is going to be the chant that comes back next time a match is dying. Hmm. Interesting. Kane comes out. Cena assumes that Kane has been sent on behalf of The Undertaker with a response. I thought Cena, by the end of this, was just maybe purposely trying to be just the most... Like, he was Miz-level annoying to me. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I I know, and maybe that's just because you just watched him at that press conference. Maybe. (laughs) I thought Cena, like, was being a good John Cena, you know? Like, okay, certainly there's something about his delivery that makes it feel like he's he's a kid's TV show host. Where as an adult, if you watch a kid's TV show, you sense the manipulation. You sense that he's talking down to you because he's trying to get a specific reaction from you by talking a certain way. Um, and that's very obvious. That's professional wrestling. You're manipulating people. But I think he does a good job of it. I think as an adult, you can gain an appreciation for how he's able to manipulate people and how he's able to host this kid's TV show. You know what I mean? So, the crowd was on his side at the end of this. Yeah. Um, I just look at the way, and maybe this is just the way they want to present it, is that by WrestleMania, they want The Undertaker to be, like, in that babyface position. And you're and by Cena calling him a coward, you're kind of giving the audience just to, to disagree with this guy, to not think The Undertaker is a coward. Like, what has The Undertaker done that's so awful? This is a guy that's broken his body for this company, and he doesn't feel he has anything left. I don't necessarily see it as Cena calling him a coward, like, as a way of getting the audience to, like, dislike Cena. I mean, I think it's more Cena trying to goad The Undertaker into coming back for a match. And in the end, it'll be a double babyface match. In a weird way, The Undertaker and Ronda Rousey have done the exact same thing. What do you mean? Taker, who has left... Yeah. Doesn't feel he he's just walked away from it all. And Ronda Rousey, who's left the UFC for the same reason. One... They don't want to face their... I feel like one... Oh, you mean in storyline. Because, I mean, Rousey was almost... It almost felt like she was forced out with the way she lost her last two matches. Forced by herself. Well, she... Yeah, forced by herself, I guess. But she... If she had it her way, she would have won those matches and she'd probably still want to continue the the career. Take her... It, they're different, but... Okay. Anyway, Fine. Kane comes out, chokeslam Cena, and we're going to have a singles match between these two next week in Cleveland. I mean, Kane, you know, throughout most of his career has kind of played that second-last-stage boss for The Undertaker multiple times, and this was a... This is probably his, like, best value right now at this stage in his career, bringing Glenn Jacobs as, you know, your time fill to lead towards the Taker match at Mania. Yeah. This is one of those feuds where sometimes we go so deep into, like, the build-up to all these WrestleMania matches, Mm -hmm. and it's like, you get to WrestleMania, it's like, the crowd either cares or they don't care. Yes. And this is one of those where I don't think anyone is ever going to remember this build-up between Cena and Taker. They're going to remember the match if it delivers or doesn't deliver. How many of the Taker build-ups... For matches, do you remember? Pretty much none of them. Like the Sean Taker match, that first one. I, I, I mean, I think the Sean Michaels the was one. broke and under the the ownership of JBL a month yeah. before, a lot and then got the, his freedom. A lot of the particulars I don't remember. Um, you know, the Hunter. Taker. I remember Punk and Taker being pretty bad, actually. Yeah. But the the match the match dictates your memory. 
it's, of it's, the feud. Yeah, it's all about the match. Um, so, and yeah, but it's it can help. It can certainly help. Are you optimistic about this match? Um, because this is I not going to be Taker Sean. I'm. Pretty, this isn't even going to oh be Taker god. and oh my god, Punk or I was pretty vocal about how much I didn't like the Undertaker's performance last year at, at, at in in that Roman match. So I'm not expecting necessarily mm, better. I think I think they will be more protective, um, and I think Cena is better than Roman. So I I do think it'll be better than last year. I hope I hope you know crossing my fingers. I would have much more faith in a Roman singles match than a Cena one at this really? moment. But. I think the fact that they're going to be in this giant stadium, mm-hmm. I think that's. I think the atmosphere is going to enhance this significantly. Yeah. Even if you're just watching this on mute and it's not the most aesthetically pleasing match. I don't know what type of physical condition Taker is in, like over the over the past year at this point, but I I, I mean I, I I feel like they have to limit how um you know how much he does. Because last year, I think a lot of the big troubles came from some of the more uh, ambitious spots, like like the, t- the, t- the tombstone reversals, where like they mm-hmm. do a full flip yeah, and yeah. They, they fuck that up. So I imagine things like that might be avoided. Just keep it simple, because people just want to see the entrance. And they, they just... Like, you can do a Rock Hogan basic type of match, and this audience, I think, will... will and learn from it. last year, and they'll have, I think, the advantage of going on earlier in the show, as opposed yeah. to at the end. Which I think is the thing is though, the toughest you... position of the year for a WWE okay. card. Taker loses. Taker actually will probably win this year, right? Sure. Cena can can afford the loss, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Do you do the retirement oh. at the end? You can't. I think there would be a. I think it'll still be a respectful crowd, but there will be an enormous groaning at any of that stuff. Because Taker might come back next year. Of course. Yeah. I'd be like, that's where the is like, you know what? Sleep on it for a few months. <laughs> yeah. You can have. We'll dedicate the Survivor Series to your funeral. Okay. Yeah. That can be the whole theme of the Survivor Series. Oh, the same yeah. event you debuted at. We'll dedicate yeah. a whole four-hour show to yeah. the end of your career. We're Bron- not doing it at WrestleMania. Braun Strowman calls him a coward next March. <laughs> uh, he gets thrown into the lake of reincarnation. Yeah, right. Go back to the Hardy compound from earlier today. So this ultimate deletion was technically live, right? If these oh, yeah, these yeah. videos were earlier today, this sure. was a live viewing. I guess so. Uh, Matt is with George Washington, the giraffe. So, then- so they actually have a farm? Like they actually have a zoo? Like they actually own these animals? I had, I don't know 100%. I thought it had been like a nearby spot that they had gone for that giraffe. Okay. Because I'm wondering who's taking care of these. Is it Senior Benjamin that's taking care of all these pets? There's a lot to, to wow. handle. Uh, the Miz Taraj is in the ring. Miz is holding up the WrestleMania magazine and he's pissed he's not on the cover. Could you imagine caring if you were on the WrestleMania magazine cover? Sure. If I was a Miz, yeah. I would guarantee that there were probably 10 people in the arena that knew there was a WrestleMania magazine before tonight. I, I thought it it had gone bankrupt or they they shut it or something. Yeah. He says he doesn't even have a singles match at WrestleMania. The odds are stacked against him. He complains about Dallas and Axel and their actions from last week, but he exposed Balor and Rollins last week when they got into their argument and said that he's going to send Tyler Black and Prince Nevitt... <laughs> 
to the bingo halls and you can too, too sweet your little indie fans. <laughs> I I almost, I mean, whether or not it was intentional, it just made his point more effective to not oh, call Oh, I him. thought it was great that he yeah. screwed it up, regardless of intent. It's a clip that'll get spread, look at this idiot calling him Prince Nevit, but that's that's that works to the promo's advantage. Yeah, uh, it was great. I think it was... Uh... <laughs> I love this. I, I, I love like I love business like anti-indie character. I hope he does this more often. Like They let him once a year indie. going to his WrestleMania program. He gets to be like this yeah. and just... Wouldn't it be fucking great, okay, if The Miz one day, WrestleMania weekend invades evolve <laughs> invades pro progress invades rep pro in pr- like and just like trolls everybody and you show that footage leading up to mania Dude, he'd be cheered out of the building if he showed up at any of these places i don't think so oh i think he not would. the miz yeah. i don't think so depends what he does dude people have so. like he's not someone like people enjoy this guy yeah but his wrestling sucks it still sucks and and i ultimately Dude, he like, was the Rolling Stone wrestler of the year. <laughs> I feel like if this dude showed up at Ring of Honor, I think he would get a ton of heat. I think you undervalue how much people value just stars. The stars showing up, unexpected dude, plays would go nuts. They might at go nuts. any one of these sure. shows. But if Joey Janela's spring break, he'd be the most over guy on that show. If he got show. on the mic and just like made fun of these like, you know, bullet club wearing doofuses on the internet, I think I think he'd do great. I think he'd be able to either turn the crowd with his mic work or at least the, the audience would see what the yeah. the intent was and would give him the desired reaction yeah. but it, his just showing up unannounced I think it'd yeah, go, that he'd go reaction. crazy yeah. um, so the Miztourage took on Finn Balor Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows uh, Seth Rollins came out for commentary noted if he wins this title he'll be a Grand Slam champion Oh, sign me up! Oh boy! Yeah, I need to see that. What a what a huge huge uh, yeah. development Great. to this story. Uh, he stated, "This was just for me." He said earlier, Miz said that the odds are stacked against him in the three way match. Someone should tell him to do his math. We all have an equal chance of winning the three way. Well, I I think. You can hold some objection to that. Yep. That means that why are Cesaro and Sheamus worried about Braun Strowman? They have a 67% chance. Braun's got a partner now. He does have a partner. But prior to that, when it was a handicap match, they're two. He's one. Hmm. They have more odds. Don't don't ask me about WWE math. We're barely understanding WWE language. I can't get into WWE math as well. They went through the commercial break. Match went a while. Balor avoided a skull-crushing finale. Knocked Axel off the apron using the Miz and then rolled him up. Ten and a half minutes. And then the Miz Trage attacked Balor. Gallows and Anderson just like putzes knocked to the floor. And Rollins ran down, which Graves called dumb to go save Balor. Stomped the Miz and then told Balor he owes him. Crowd was hot for this, I thought. Crowd was, um, you know... Strongly behind Finn. Um, that's about it. This match is sort of like really not a must-see match for me on the show compared to a lot of the matches. So it'll be a good match, I think. I think it's going to be a fine match. Yeah, but I is don't... your interest level up there? The None. Though? It's not it's me. very low. Yeah. 
because I don't think there's any kind of progression for any of these characters in this match. I don't think... I don't know. It's just... It's a it's another three-way on this card, mm-hmm. which I'm not crazy about all the three-ways on this show. Then, what I thought was the highlight of the show, the Ronda Rousey feature. Mm-hmm. This featured the training footage with her and Kurt Angle. And... Listen, Ronda Rousey is going to get 95% of the praise for this feature. Kurt Angle as Ronda's mouthpiece. Kurt has found his calling. It's not as the Raw general manager. It really worked. Like, like it, it, I would almost want to test drive this as opposed to everyone's dream of Heyman. Yeah, I think... I, think, I really like this together. I think Angle almost makes more sense. I'll say, like, in this setting, it, it was way more effective than I thought this pairing could be for Ronda because... Kurt Angle, number one. Um, you could edit him. <laughs> yes. But Kurt Angle sitting next to Ronda gives Ronda some legitimacy uh, and some backing from a wrestling perspective, seeing that, hey, here's an Olympian that we all respect that also respects Ronda Rousey. It show, it gives you a taste of how much Ronda respects Kurt Angle. And I think it just like more... It just endears Ronda more towards this wrestling audience, which I felt like this video was completely designed to do. Um, Ronda talked about her dad, um, who died when she was like really young. Um, they did get UFC footage here, mm-hmm. where we got to hear Mike Goldberg, we got to hear Bruce Buffer, Weird. we got to see John McCarthy. So bizarre to me that you would see all this on the same show that you're about to watch The Ultimate Deletion. She then talked about her last fight, the Amanda mm-hmm. Nunez fight, and said after that last fight, she thought that God hates her. And it was her husband that told her she's more than a fighter, and she breaks down explaining this, and this is the first time she has ever talked about these losses. They got the um, exclusive. Well, especially this one with Nunez. Yeah. And yeah, Ellen couldn't get this out of her. And she's not afraid to care anymore. And she thought the UFC would be all she would ever care about but said, life happens, and I was always meant to be at WrestleMania. Uh, I thought Ronda was tremendous here. This was a fucking home run. This like, was great. I I mean... I, I like this better than the angle they did two weeks ago. I thought this was... Oh my God, 100%. To set up the match, yeah. this was tremendous. 100%. I think this video, for a lot of people who were on the fence about Ronda being wrestling, had to have been a turning point. Best promo on the show. The knock, on, the knock from fans, from non-fans of Ronda is that she is like another Brock Lesnar. She's simply using pro wrestling as a cash-in for her MMA fame now that her days of legitimate competition are over. This video, I think, disproves that. It tells you that wrestling isn't just Ronda's cash cow. Wrestling is presented as sort of Ronda's tool to refine purpose in her life now that she's no longer a successful MMA champion. Well... What am I in life? What more can I pursue? This is a challenge, and I plan on using it to devote the same amount of energy and to achieve the same amount of success that I achieved in, in Judo Olympics and also the UFC. Like she, It's presented that she needs pro wrestling, not for the fame or for the money, but for her own self-worth because this woman was suicidal when she didn't have MMA. Now that she has pro wrestling, she has a purpose. And I thought that was just such powerful motivation for a baby face. And it really shows you how much of a different character she is from Brock, who would never say shit like this. I could care less whether or not I come come uh, show up and 
when Russell. I, when I fought Alistair Overeem, I thought, God damn it, he hates me. <laughs> yeah. But tremendous. Like, Ronda's in these types of situations, when Ronda's open, she is tremendous in interviews. Uh, I thought just a great job overall. She's, like, what people are drawn to is that this is an incredibly engaging person. Yeah. And so many people don't relate to her because she is not a relatable person. Like she in this, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm stating that in a life that she has lived and what yeah. she has held herself yeah. up to, you cannot fathom what a, a loss to her. Yeah. That was the shattering of her life. The only people that I imagine would understand would be fellow Olympians, you know, and fellow UFC champions, people who are like, who are almost sick. Like, almost mentally ill when it comes to how successful they have to Kurt be. Kurt Angle. Exactly. Like, go read Kurt Angle's book, yeah. and you will see a man that was, like, diabolically obsessed mm -hmm. with winning. And I think that you have found two people that are of an extremely mm -hmm. small subset yeah. of human athletes. That is the type of note I want to see them hit more of for these video packages. I hope we see a lot more of them heading into WrestleMania. And I hope we find some type of, like antithesis of that from stephanie and triple h you know they're not olympians they don't come come from that they're in it for money they're in it for all this other bullshit um so there's a lot of potential i think for good storytelling in this match and i thought this was a great start now she did not appear in dallas correct she wasn't there yeah i I'm don't not. because this was another week where the oh she didn't she did appear in front of the live crowd what did she do um I, I'm assuming. Here. Oh, WW exclusive. Okay, okay. Let's play. So Dana Brooke is out in the ring, goes to attack Ronda. Refresh it. So we see the video. No, just just hit refresh on your browser. Okay. I would really. Really like to see you try. This is Ronda with Dana in the ring. Boxer palm strike. <laughs> oh, and they just stand there. Oh God. Dana's gonna get dropped on her head. Jeez. And Dana pummels to the floor. Okay, okay, so Ronda basically suplex suplexes Dana. So yeah, they yeah. did advertise her um, throughout the week on the website, and she's listed, um, at last check, she was listed for next week and the following Monday, too, which I was glad they didn't put, like, that video feature was awesome. I did yeah. not need to see her do this segment with Dana on TV. That's quite bold of them, though, I think, to, to have Ronda backstage and not to ha have her appear on camera for anything. Total right call. Yeah, but I think putting that up online and letting audiences find out for themselves that, hey, she was there. Well, who am I? Who, who, how, who was I to doubt that she was there? I think I think that's cool. That, that exchange, though, did not look that good. No. Like, it looked very slow and very staged. Well... The match at WrestleMania is going to be very carefully laid out for like, her. Is Stephanie going to take that? You think? Uh, she she has to get thrown. Mm. She's got to get thrown around. Yeah. Final segment uh, was the ultimate deletion, and <laughs> I'm glad the crowd got Ronda at the end because they did not get the ultimate deletion. 
Yeah, what happened? Well, Explain. they clearly... We talked about this. How would this work at WrestleMania? And it's a hard to imagine it working at WrestleMania. They clearly believed this doesn't even work on Raw as a, in terms of for the live audience to play something that long. So instead, while this... What would you say? 12, 13 minutes was airing sure. for us on television... The live crowd in Dallas got Elias and Braun Strowman in the ring. That really surprises me because they weren't that careful about this when it came to their 25th anniversary of Raw. And I would imagine a lot of people that, like, this was heavily promoted, that if I was going to Raw, I would assume I'm at the very least going to get to watch this. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure if you're there, you're not complaining that, you know, they were... You're probably not complaining that I didn't get to see this... Like, like, because the complaint otherwise would have been, hey, we we sat through the in the dark for 12 minutes. What are we paying for? So, well, I mean, to assume you'd at least get it on the Titantron, right? Like, wouldn't that be an... But, but, I mean, are you paying for that, though, if you're paying a ticket to go to Raw? I guess not. It's just, you know, this segment's going down, and you don't even get to watch it. I'm saying they probably... They can't win either way, yeah. you know? So... They, they went with that decision. So the ultimate deletion starts in the Hardy compound where Bray approaches. It's now dark, so we assume this is live. Vanguard 1 identifies Bray, and we find Matt inside of a ring outdoors as they go to break. We come back. The Young Bucks tweeted out that last year the plan was to do a final deletion match with the Hardys, but plans changed. Right, with TNA. Yes. So that would have been where the Hardys go to ROH, the Bucks go to Impact, and again, I look at that as such an interesting what if had they had they gone with Matt Hardy instead of Jeff Jarrett and mm-hmm. as the guy that was going to be their creative. Interesting, interesting. I imagine like now I'm trying to think about what what a Young Bucks final deletion match would look like. I'm sure it would involve people like Kenny and the Bullet Club. Who knows what it could have entailed. Wow. Probably a lot of different stuff. Um, so they come back, and we just have, like, a match in the ring for a while. Bray got a chair. Before that, uh, Bray makes his entrance to Rebby's rendition of his theme, which I thought was just excellent. It was really good. We go to the dilapidated city after they leave the ring, which is outside of a cabin, where Matt asks if it reminds him of something, and we get Bray flashbacks to the cabin burning last year. Yeah, the cabin that I... I guess it has been his cabin this entire time that we've seen like in all of the Wyatt-like introduction videos and everything. So... But this wasn't the cabin. This was just something that reminded Bray of him. Yeah, Bray just has... uh, He was distracted. Ongoing issues with cabins. He just can't look at wood. You stack wood together, he's going to (laughs) pause. They then wander to the land of obsolete men... So this was like supposed to be what, like a some type of cemetery, like a pet cemetery. Yes, which looked like it was Jeff Hardy's artwork. Oh, okay, that's what that is. <laughs> I don't know. He builds these figures, like these no, these like symbols that had names at the bottom, like yeah. ammo and what? I don't know. It just screamed. Jeff it's Hardy something that me. was probably already there, and something yeah. from the imagination. Do you think that? Yeah, it was anyway. Okay, whatever. So they brawl around it. They do like a little camera trick of like Bray going from one behind one and then appearing out of another. Straight out of my rap video. Yes, in that's the park. right. Yes, that's right. Then they entered the Dome of Deletion. Matt avoided a urinagi onto a piano and then Matt brought out a ladder. Uh, then we had we were introduced to the Chair of Wheels 
and the mower of lawn. So Matt, so Bray was down, and Matt had to decide whether he was going to run him over with a wheelchair or a lawnmower. The chair of wheels or the mower of lawns. And he went with the mower of lawns. <laughs> of course, you got to make snap decisions in this setting. Bray then drags Matt outside he, to the Lake of Reincarnation. Bray intercepted the mower of lawns by doing his spider walk. Sorry, this is a bit, this is a tough match to. It's very recap, hard to recap. It? I'm trying my best. He goes for the sister Abigail, stopped. He grabs Vanguard One, but instead of destroying it, he leaves it for later. And then Matt disappears. He looks under the boat, and Senor Benjamin is there, tosses him a globe, and starts singing The Whole World's in His Hands. Jeff appears singing as well, and this was Jeff's lone cameo. Briefly, Jeff... Really brief. Like, if you blinked, you might have missed Jeff. Jeff just basically showed up over the shoulder of Bray in a close-up, and then we didn't see him again. So what was this? Was this, like, his... Was this the imagination of Bray Wyatt? Or something? Oh, that he was not really there? I don't... Yeah. Because Jeff was nowhere to be seen elsewhere. Or do you think that they had more of Jeff that they decided to cut out? Mm, This felt like such a nothing cameo. Well, uh, Matt followed with a twist of fate, pinned Bray, threw him into the lake, tells Benjamin to go get him, but Bray is gone. Matt proclaims the Great War is over, Bray has been deleted, and Raw ends. And I think that so has Bray Wyatt. Uh, Thus far, yeah. I mean, I think that's the end of the character. Well, or at least a, the, re- a massive repa- repackaging. Yeah, that's what Bray. I assume. You're not going to get Husky Harris, okay? No, I'm not saying that, but I think at minimum a retooling of the Bray Wyatt character. Like this really felt like the write-off of a character. Yeah. So that was the ultimate deletion. Uh, Before I get your reaction to it, yes, I put up my poll. Yes. I got 764 votes away in two wow. hours. Okay. 79% like this. 21 hated it. I was I, I didn't love it. I was part of the twenty one percent. Yeah, I I Okay. I'm leaning more towards the latter. To me, I think if this was the first time you've seen one of these, you probably enjoy it at all a lot, simply because of how different it was from everything else. Um I I I mean they you know, all the Vanguard stuff, all the stuff with the family, the 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 way they shot it, I think tonally they nailed it. This felt just like any of the other ones. Yeah, that's where I was. I did not think they would go as far as they did. And they they certainly got out of the comfort zone. This was not the Bray Wyatt, uh, the Wyatt family New Day. They segment. gave them the, the creative trust to at least do something that, that felt genuine to what, what had come before in TNA. But I feel like by the end of it, my reaction was, that's it? You know, like, I think what made a lot of the older videos work were the constant surprises and the grand, ridiculous stunts that they delivered. And this had glimpses of that. You know, references to Bray's old shack, uh, a brief Jeff Hardy cameo. But that was really it, you know? The big stun at the end. Like, we've seen Jeff Hardy jump off of, like, a tree or whatever. We've seen, like, people... We've seen them shooting Roman candles into each other's faces. We've seen crazier, much crazier shit than this. We saw a giant flaming Hardy sign. The lawn was, like, all that stuff. Here, the big stunt was Bray falling into a lake. And without even any payoff. To me, if you're going to do the Lake of Reincarnation, the big payoff is to see what comes out of that fucking lake. And I know they're probably saving this for another time. They're telling a bigger story here with Bray Wyatt. But to end the show without at least giving us that, 
I kind of felt disappointed with the amount of hype that went into this. With the amount of time that they used to build to this match. This was like a three month long thing. So I thought they, they nailed a lot. But the whole thing in the end just kind of felt like foreplay. To me it was like it was long. And like 75% of it just it felt like a like an old hardcore match. Yeah, felt like brawling, yes. And I don't know, I kind of just you know, you go back to even the the TNA version and the final deletion, that one did really well out of curiosity. That's the highest number they've ever done on pop. Mm-hmm. But the subsequent ones never reached that level again. And as much as people might have enjoyed them, like I think it's very much it was novel for the first time and like if they try this again uh, on wwe i think it's going to be kind of diminishing returns that's to be expected but for a lot of people i think this was their first time yeah and i think that there will be curiosity for this i'm i think the third hour is going to hold up better than most weeks because people will be curious to see this this week but i'll say like just as in terms of like a, a crafted segment, I feel like there are far more twists and turns with some of their previous works. Like, the, like the, I thought Delete or Decay, like had way more to offer than this in terms of nostalgia, in terms of surprises, in terms of just just things going on. Cameos. Where were all the cameos? You know, um, this was good. It was like a good start, but I just I felt like I just expected more from it. That's what it felt. It felt like they were scratching the surface, but I can't say like I'm, I'm dying to see chapter two of this in two months either. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'd be really curious the making of this and how many people were involved and what compromises were made and what creative freedom uh, a Matt Hardy really did have in all of this versus others yeah. that I mean it's it's not like this guy just would would have the same control that he did for the Impact version where it was like. Shoot it and give us the finish, finished copy with maybe. this team. Or maybe he would. Cause we've seen them. Like, look at the fashion files. That, I don't think, has any of Vince's fingerprints on it. Well, and it's it also was, on the web. It was on TV for a long time. But, okay, whatever. What I would love to see, though, is a camera of Vince McMahon watching this for the first time. Probably similar to his reaction to uh, Beyond the Mat when he watched it for the first time, maybe. I'd love to see that reaction, too. Well... I can see I can see Vince loving this to be honest. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, but that was it. Um, hey, this was quite a noteworthy RAW. Um, I thought overall pretty good show. I yeah. love that Ronda Rousey segment, mm-hmm. and I thought that they um, there were a number of different WrestleMania programs that I thought they did some good stuff with. I feel like we know the card. I mean, except for that Shane match and Braun's opponent, like we know those are kind of the only things. Everything. And I would figure Tuesday night we know. Yeah. What do you think we're going to be talking about Tuesday night? We'll be talking about about the Shane match. I mean, maybe, maybe a maybe a certain returning star, maybe something else. I don't. I thought it was interesting that there was no Vince on this show. The fact hmm. that last week so much was centered around Vince that you almost assumed that he would be involved. Some like he was going to deliver Brock, and there was no Vince on this show. You couple that with the fact that you did have Shane in that spot last week with mm-hmm. Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince showing up on on SmackDown to after Shane's been brutally attacked. Yeah, totally believable to me that, that that could be where they go. I could see that. So um, that will be that was what all SmackDown the ads were built around was the reaction to Shane and Daniel Bryan's return to TV mm-hmm. Tuesday night. Uh, why don't we go to twenty four first? Yeah, very quickly. WWE. To see this. Yep, twenty four. This one was called Empowered, and uh, it was done sort of uh, because. 
I think they said in celebration of like Women's History Month. They've done a WWE 24 on the Women's Revolution before, and this effectively felt like a, like a sequel to that because they had done that one, I would say, I think right after WrestleMania when they introduced the Women's Championship, mm-hmm. the first one, uh, changing it from the Divas title. And since then, a lot has happened, so this felt justified. Um, this was the 24 hours centered around the first Women's Royal Rumble, and so you had a lot of cameo appearances from you know uh, all the stars that were returning on that night, Trish... Lita, Molly, etc., etc., showing people coming into the arena, greeting a lot of the, the current stars, reuniting with a lot of the former stars, uh, and just kind of you know showing a lot of backstage footage of, of the vibe that was that was there. Um, a lot of people not wearing makeup, and I I actually found that really refreshing. The fact that we were able to see these normally spectacular, beautiful-looking people in their natural forms—I don't think we see that enough. Uh, it would go on essentially to recap a lot of the first that the women have uh, accomplished over the se- past several years. Uh, it takes you back to the first Hell in a Cell with the women, uh, some backstage reaction from that, the first Money in the Bank, that Carmella one, the first match in the Middle East featuring a chant from the crowd yelling, this is hope, breaking up from the, those in the audience. Uh, just a lot of them talking about how history was made. Every single time, history was made, history was made. Which, uh, not to cut, cut off, but I think it's really interesting that now they have this this deal, this 10-year deal in Saudi Arabia, and on Monday they announced there will be seven title matches on that show along with the 50-person Rumble, mm-hmm. and neither of the women's titles are being listed there, nor are any of the women promoted on this show. Mm-hmm. So it's a question if any women are even going to be allowed to compete on that card that... It it's somewhat it's like you have two different things going on here. It's like and I would definitely like I wrote about it in my update. I think like um, the whole Saudi Arabia deal, it's very intriguing, not just from the WWE standpoint, but they are about to buy a portion of Endeavor, which is the parent company of the UFC. And it's Saudi Arabia is the government. Yes. And they've What they have done is they have created this program called Vision 2030, where they are spending a lot of money to try and diversify their economy from just being reliant on oil. We've got too much money. Let's, how are we going to spend? Well, it's, it's shifting their image and investing in a lot of entertainment properties. And the WWE and UFC, by extension of Endeavor, fall into those categories. So, Mm. and. So, what does that mean for the UFC? No women's fights? Well, I mean, this, it's, they have bought a percentage of Endeavor and invested in it, mm-hmm. it's not gotten to a point yet where it's they're that necessarily means that they're going to be going with shows. Mm-hmm. You would think that that's a logical mm-hmm. extension of mm-hmm. all this. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's, you know, if you're going to be going and talking about the whole this is hope chant that they got in the UAE, which Hunter brought up at the WrestleMania press conference, this is a big thing for them. They are very proud of it. And you know what? Maybe they should be. This uh, is actually is a, a legitimately inspirational feat i i completely agree Mm -hmm. but i think at the same time if it is in fact we can't we're entering a contract now Mm -hmm. in a place where it is still segregated and women can't even work on these shows like Mm -hmm. that's you're sending a mixed message so for the praise of one there's going to be criticism that comes on the other in the end what we know is a constant is that it feels like everything okay is done with their pocketbooks in mind 
whether or not sure. they they will champion their social change depends on how much money they can profit from it okay now i guess we've seen the power of the audience whether or not you know people will call them out on something like this the fact that they are going to promote a show uh, in a, in a territory that prohibits women from from participating is that going to elicit enough negative reaction for the WWE to want to do something about it, even though they're facing losing a payday like this? I don't think so. I don't think so. They have stockholders to kind of, uh, you know, uh, appease. Uh, and I feel like ultimately they, they're they not going to do anything about something like this. If anything, they'll probably just try to ignore it. But it does raise some interesting questions. Do you care more about, you know, doing making money or do you care more about trying to you know uh live up to your moniker of being a leading uh organization that champions women's rights Mm -hmm. it's i'm i'm willing to bet it's the former um but it's an interesting thing that you bring up Yeah. yeah no i just think it's you know between both wwe and usc it's it's a part of the world that mm-hmm. if you're following this industry you've got to be focused on i right have now. to want i mean maybe part of part of me wonders if they're trying to campaign to have their women on this show because you see how much how proud they are of, of the fact that they had sasha and alexa wrestle in in the uae if they can replicate that for this for the saudi arabia show i'm sure that would appease everybody and make them look tremendous. Yep. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Then we should see what the final card ends up being. Yeah. So back to the present, um, we see a lot of the generations colliding, a lot of the former or current stars talking about, you know, basically geeking out over seeing people like Trish and Lee, the people that they, they grew up watching. There's a roll call of, uh, within interviews, them, I guess, kind of giving a bit of a spotlight to all the star- all the women's wrestlers that weren't a part of the Rumble, and that included little tiny segments on people like Randy, Wendy Richter, Sensational Sherry, Cindy Lauper, even Alundra Blaze, Sable, China, Lita, Trish, Beth, Michelle McCool. I'm not really sure what what trail Michelle McCool blazed, but okay, sure, why not? Who am I to say? It's kind of this weird road of telling the story. I mean, like anyone's with WWE, it's like these weird. Like we went from, well, the women used to be doing all these these bra and panties matches, and it was like they weren't given any time and stuff. And now it's like, well, all those people that were involved now, we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, it was like your mm-hmm. kind of your whole statement originally was you were breaking from the history. And now you're building upon it. I mean, it's. I'm not saying like one's inaccurate or yeah. As very interesting how uh, of who's omitted and who's included. And obviously, people like Michelle McCool. I'm sorry. I have to imagine you're only simply there because you're you're the wife of the Undertaker. Because I just why not put um, uh, Layla there? You know, like I thought she was just as big of a had just as big of an impact on, on in women's wrestling as you did. Sunny was not mentioned. Um, and I think we could maybe assume why. Uh, this was also maybe the the most interesting part of the documentary because we were we would see if Mula would be represented, and she was not, as we mentioned. But interestingly enough, we still had a segment uh, putting over Mae Young when talking about the Mae Young's classic, mm-hmm. and this was you know pretty much like not nothing controversial about it, at least like from the treatment of it. You know, it was just presented as if. None of this, and none of this over the past week had happened. I don't know what Mae Young's involvement was in everything that that occurred, but when the Mae Young Classic was introduced, there wasn't this level of 
backlash. No, I mean there were some people that that noted like some of the the stories from from the past, but I mean maybe it's like just completely unrealistic. But I just wish we could get a, to a point where you could talk about history, the good and the bad. We don't have to present people. It's like they have to be completely unvarnished figures that are just idols to all of these people. And instead, maybe this is not the format for it, but to to, to do a documentary on someone. And you can examine. I don't know. But Mula is such a sensitive topic this week. This week. I get it. I don't think you can. I get it. If you had never done, if you had never done the whole Battle Royal thing, I think Mula would have existed on this fine. But and I think Mula, it's just... I think that there's a lot of people out there, too, that are just, they don't know what to make of this story because there's not going to ever be a conclusive end to it because Mm -hmm. she's no longer around and a lot of the other people involved, they're no longer around. And you're not, there are people that have come out and they've completely defended Mula and then you have others that have not. And it's, it's, to me, it's just when you know that stuff is out there to go ahead with this battle royal thing. It's just bad judgment. And I think that's what struck people, just the level of just how brazen it was. But, I mean, six months from now, if they're doing a big documentary of some sort on women's wrestling, to just omit Moolah, I'm not crazy about that either. The idea that this person no longer exists. Like, this was a major power broker, Mm. and these complicated figures exist. But which one will be more beneficial to their bottom line? You know, ignoring her or putting her in and risking people saying, hey, like pointing the finger and saying, hey, how could you celebrate this person? You know, to the like in the court of public opinion, like she maybe unfairly so maybe she, she is really just not very well liked right now. So I don't know. Maybe they'll cool off on it eventually. But the problem is she doesn't have a chance to redeem herself. Hulk Hogan at least has a chance to redeem himself. But. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, it to me, it's like there's there's also a big difference between, you know, lionizing and naming a big award or something after somebody and right. just telling history. Like, sure. if you were to write a book on the history of women's wrestling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. would write about Lillian Ellison. Yes. You would not omit that as mm-hmm. an author, as a reporter, yeah. and... Maybe we're just looking at the WWE through the wrong expectations. These WWE pieces, I feel, aren't necessarily meant to be historical, you know, accurate, you know, wrestling observer type of, you know, um, texts. These are meant to entertain and, in fact, rewrite history and ultimately, you know, just to drive interest to to the network. So I don't think they give a shit whether or not she's represented. Uh, So we we go on uh, profiles of some of the people that are appearing. They show Kyrie Sane showing up and learning that she was going to be in the Rumble for the first time. And we learn that Sarah Logan and her actually go way back. So uh, Sarah was really happy for her. Do you get her on camera where she's being told? Uh, We get her reaction. Yeah. We get Sarah like like, telling Ruby, hey, she just found out. And Kyrie is, is tearful, obviously. Really nice moment that was captured. Profile on Asuka, where Triple H says he saw her in Japan and immediately wanted her and thought her style was a game changer. And she, he said how uh, there was a time when Ron SmackDown took all of his uh, women's roster, but he requested specifically that he gets to keep Asuka. So he really likes Asuka. Uh, we get a lot of time spent with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, actually, who... Um, you know, uh, only 
have only been in the business for two years, starting mm-hmm. from the Tough Enough reality show. And the two of them, we get to see, share, you know, they're, they're best friends. I didn't even know this. I've, seen, I've been watching them on TV for like three months. But these two are, in fact, best friends. They live together, wrestling together. They work together. They're exactly what Cesaro and Sheamus are. Um, and it was really nice. It was, like, nice to see the two of them, like, talk about their uh, them coming up and, and both being so excited about being a part of this Royal Rumble main event. It was certainly the most character and personality I've seen from those two in my entire time of seeing them on TV. The two of them put over Paige. We see Paige in the back as they're about to go out uh, for the match, and Paige is, is crying, is tearful, uh-huh. because she she couldn't be a part of this. But she still feels proud because she had a big hand in... in, in in getting them here. Um, a lot of that. Uh, Stephanie, you know, what can you say? Stephanie like, is Stephanie. Every Stephanie McMahon appearance just feels really like, oh, just really disingenuous. But, I mean, maybe that's just her. Some people are just kind of like that. And maybe that's also why she's such a great heel. But, man, I can't help but, like, whenever Stephanie talks about, like, women's rights and women like in using buzzwords like the women's revolution and all this shit it just like it feels so fake anyway you have all the talent putting over how great of a leader she's been uh did anyone have a dissenting opinion no dear yeah, leader that's a surprise. yeah she's that's okay yeah, i mean she talks a bit much uh, i don't like how she slaps people no nothing <laughs> stephanie says she's very excited for her three daughters to sit in the front row seeing what women can accomplish. And I thought that was a good line from Stephanie. She could very well be like a very genuine, lovable person, but something about her on being on camera, just like, man, it's just such a turnoff, um, which makes her a great heel. The line everyone goes back to is one years ago when she said that philanthropy is the new form of marketing. It's like, wow, what a transparent line. And I think it's like you utter something like that and it's it's very hard to view someone uh, that's just so... Uh, clear about certain things. And I like, listen. She tried to explain it afterwards. You know, what What was her excuse that like, I don't know. It was something. Anyway. She, I don't know her personally, so I can't really say, you know. You don't? No. All right. So we get a bit more. We get, we get some, uh, some of Mickey talking about how, you know, it's, it's so nice to see some of the, the, the previous crop of women. Uh, it felt like a reunion of everybody. And we have Ember, Ember Moon geeking out over seeing all these fans. And then just a recap of the Rumble event itself. The match showed a bit of Ronda being backstage uh, throughout the evening. She was all incognito. She was wearing a big black hood and she was kept in their uh, truck or what is it? Van? Bus? Away from everybody. Uh, The girls didn't know anything about her. Brad Slater was there behind her sipping on a coffee. Just uh, He's like the big power broker in Hollywood who represents Ronda and The Rock. Interesting. Uh, so the Rumble match takes place, and everybody's nervous, and finally we're down to the final two, Nikki and Asuka, and all the women who have been eliminated or watching from the back, they have... Like fans. They have Yeah, total fans. They have no idea who's winning. Who is it going to be? Nikki, Bella, or Asuka? I don't know. Uh, Asuka... Who, who won? Asuka won. Asuka won. And Natalia says Asuka winning sends a great message, because you can be different, and you can still achieve anything like <laughs> you can even speak a different language um i know what she means i know what she means know. she means that you know hey like we can push 
non-white people to to be our lead lead stars. And and yes, I know what she means. Absolutely. What I w- what I would love because I mean we're just we're inundated with this every single day, and we just follow this stuff. I would love to hear from like some you know girls like mid twenties that mm-hmm. never watch wrestling to watch something like this and and what they would take away from it i think your your takeaway would be that hey wow this seems like a really progressive company that's doing a lot for women's rights or would it be like it's 2018 why (laughs) am i watching a documentary that could have been out of 1975 i'm not sure i don't know i don't even know what the answer is if you watched an equivalent of this for something like nascar okay like a danica patrick special i don't know would you have the same takeaways uh, I, I mean, hard to say, right? Like, we don't know. So, anyway, that's really much, like, it. Like, this whole piece, a lot of it, um, many times it felt like a corporate video, you know, to celebrate their accomplishments. Um, hardly, I would say, the type of, like, behind-the-scenes documentary that I think you've seen from, um, like, the Kevin Owens one or the, the Finn Balor one wasn't necessarily like that. This one felt more like it was congratulating themselves about what they've done and i don't know maybe it's worth congratulating i don't know i don't know i'm not sure uh when when i like uh, when i watch uh, documentaries in general i think that they need a number of different ingredients one being really strong characters but also some form of conflict that you are you're saying this was an icarus uh no (laughs) No, no, definitely not. I hope for their sake there's nothing co- to compare to Icarus. Um, and also, like, some form of conflict that you are working around, that you are faced with, that yeah. different characters are faced with. These and, aren't typically that, though. These are more, like, documents. No, but, like, even the Kevin Owens one. Like, I'm not saying that, like, this is award-winning uh, documentary stuff, but, I mean, even Kevin Owens. They presented a lot of conflict with this guy mm-hmm. in his relationship with Vince yeah. McMahon that I found, hey, it was fascinating as someone that observes this stuff that but you're was right. an you're intriguing right. thing. You're absolutely right. I think something like this moolah thing, in the future, if they do another version of these... If they have balls, they should not shy away from a topic like this, saying, hey, we've had missteps. We've completely misread the situation, and we listened to the audience, and we listened to our sponsor, and we did something about it. But something to show that you're flawed, right? Here, the WWE is presented as, like, this trailblazing company that's never wronged women in any way. We've never done angles, like, uh, we've never done brawn panties matches. We've never done, you know... A woman giving birth to a hand. We've never done women be- beating angles. We've never done women being made to laugh like a dog or, or bark like a dog angles. There's not enough of that, sure. But how much more interesting would this have been than to have had, like, have some of the creative writers at that time explaining the time period? Like, hey, right. these were ideas we presented. They don't hold up well. And our audience bought into a lot of this stuff True. yeah and you blame the audience too absolutely and we changed yep. and we evolved and yeah there was a time mm-hmm. when i would not want my teenage daughter watching these people as role models and yeah. they were not presented well like shine a light on the negative to further enhance the positive i think that's an ideal that you and i look for but it's like when you know the wwe that's completely unrealistic right like these are professional wrestling promoters who Whose, whose whole existence depends on manipulation and crafting their own image into the perfect image. 
So I don't know if we could ever expect anything like that. I think it's a, it's a massive insecurity that they have, and this is getting much deeper than we need to, but a massive insecurity that they have in what their audience will tolerate from them. And I would argue that you have a wrestling fan base that is uh, completely uh, fine with whatever's thrown at them, mm-hmm. that they give no respect to, mm-hmm. that you can present yourself in whatever light you want. And yeah. I think that you have such an insecurity yeah. of how your audience and more importantly, the outside world views you yeah. instead of being comfortable with your own history. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's anything that I've personally learned from like, you know, uh, doing this, what we're doing right now, being a part of Patreon and seeing like how businesses thrive in, in our modern like internet age. <laughs> this is getting way too... We'll wrap, we'll wrap this up, show up soon. But, but like, I think there's a lot more to be said for transparency these days than ever before. Like, P- Patreon, for instance, before we signed up for it, they had a big fiasco about, you know, charging people, uh, patrons, more money to cover fees than charging creators. And it was a huge uproar. It actually made John and I very nervous before launching our own Patreon. Hey, like... Look at what could happen. Like, you know, these companies can fuck up and affect all of us, affect mm-hmm. everybody. But what I did really enjoy was that Patreon, when they realized that they had made the error, same, like a lot of outcry from people using it, uh, a lot of outcry from creators, they came out and apologized. You had, you know, the CEO come out and said, first line in, in his press release, we screwed up or something to that effect. And I think that's what companies need to do now. If they screw up on the level of, say, this Moolah Battle Royal thing, come out and admit it. Don't just try to sweep it under the rug because people are smart enough these days to know what you're doing. And I feel like calling yourself out on mistakes that you've made almost preemptively like does that for you before the audience does it on their own. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even disagree with you. It's like I think that you're... Your public image would be that much more enhanced if they looked at you as a company that was comfortable in their own skin mm-hmm. and could approach a problem and and own it. And that to me as a sponsor would be a kind of company I would be comfortable working with mm-hmm. because this is someone that when there is a problem, they're not simply running away from it. Yeah. And you're comfortable being a partner with. It's something I think they could learn for, I mean, to even extend this into... The idea of pushing prof- booking professional wrestling, it's something they can learn for their baby faces. Where if you had a Roman Reigns admit that he's his fault, if you had people like like a John Cena, maybe at a different time, you know, have moments where they don't seem so infallible and that they they're human. I think that would probably go a long way in helping them be more relatable. Instead, they think you know portraying people as like perfect people is the way to go when it's not. Sorry. Well, then. We, yeah. What do you think Raw was on a scale of 1 to 10 way? Okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, 6 and a half. 6.89. Okay. So that was Raw. All right. Let's quickly go through feedback here. I imagine this has been a lengthy show. Carl from the UK writes, Kind of in response to your discussion on the roundtable, I know there's a lot of skepticism regarding the Hall of Fame these days, but to me it's still my favorite WWE event to attend. Goldberg, Jeff Jarrett, the Dudley Boys, these people were my heroes growing up, and I think the reason why I enjoy this event so much is because I get to appreciate and say thank you to my heroes, not just as wrestlers, but as human beings. My take on the Hall of Fame is this, if you were brave enough to put your body on the line in a WWE ring or contributed in some way to the business for a number of years, then you deserve your moment on that stage. 
listen, I'd be I'd be happy to hear like the retirement speech of like a, a Barry Horowitz, you know, like anybody who's done this for any like I'd be happy to hear the retirement speech of the guy who worked in the merch department. I think like every story dealing with with professional wrestling is fascinating, I suppose. Um, does it? Yeah. Does the general public have the same interest? I don't know. Maybe they do. OK, we got a Jesse from the six. The opening segment was awful. John talked about the WWE being tone deaf on the Sunday roundtable, and they exhibited that again. In 2018, it seems 90% of Americans either unquestionably defend police officers with Blue Lives Matter rhetoric or fear that if anybody, especially people of color, so much as look at a cop, they'll get shot. So the WWE books their choice for top, ba- top babyface to beat up three ridiculous, ridiculously dressed U.S. Marshals. Why? Because Steve Austin did it 20 years ago? And then Lesnar comes down and beats him up. Lesnar got some booze, but Rain Savage beating elicited a little more than a "you deserve it" chant. This has Vince's fingertips all over it, and Vince is really a really shitty storyteller. All right, let's go next to Jay from Colorado. The show started with the top babyface beating the crap out of three federal law enforcement officers. What the fuck was this? The U.S. Marshals' deal was almost exclusively with escaped fugitives. Nowhere in their mission statement does it say anything about <laughs> wrestling events. <laughs> Did the do something chant during the Cena promo slowly turn into a Rusev Day chant? I thought it did, actually. Uh, that might have been one of the best subtly funny things on Ron Muntz. Ronda Rousey. So I decided that I'm going to talk a lot of shit and break a lot of arms, and at the end of the day, I can at least feed my dog. That there is more character development than anyone else had had in, on the entire roster in one sentence alone. The Rousey video package was perfect. Speaking of perfect, the ultimate deletion was exactly what I wanted and more. I could write a book on it, but I'll just leave it at that. It's the best thing I've seen on Raw in years. Man. I think you're right that a lot of people just enjoyed a break from your Perhaps. traditional the gauntlet match i think was an example of that that a break from the format is people are hungry for any kind of a change in perhaps. format or perhaps people just like thought this was really good and uh please like i hope one of these comments can convince me otherwise um but maybe um yeah maybe people just enjoyed it I, i'm not sure hey i'll say the same thing i did about the gauntlet i applaud them for doing this for trying something different rather than being so rigid in how raw has to end every week and we've got to do a match inside the arena they did something totally un wwe here and you know whether you or i enjoyed it or not i think that the actual thinking that went into allow it mm-hmm. should be applauded the Absolutely. fact that they broke from format for it i think they were almost forced though by this point don't you think seeing how like the bray matt hardy thing has turned out unless this was the plan the whole time i'm not sure i mean i mean like when if you if you're fighting that hard for the broken matt hardy character there's no sense in leaving this type of thing on the table and not use it because you can only benefit from it yeah Okay, we go to uh, our next piece of feedback. I don't know how the casual viewer would feel, but the ultimate deletion was probably the most entertaining I've been watching Raw in a very long time. The very fact that it was on WWE TV at all was amazing. While I'm sure the fans in the arena probably weren't fans of watching the main event on the Titantron, well, they weren't, uh, this segment actually raised my opinion of the show as a whole. Next up, uh, he goes on to say... The best part of the night was Michael Cole apologizing in advance for the deletion segment. He should have apologized for the last two hours and 50 minutes. This show reminded me of an old school Thunder episode, which you guys should start reviewing. 
Also, not to continue ripping on this show, but do you think they could have gotten more heat and milked the situation better if Brock never showed up until WrestleMania? They could have made the whole night at WrestleMania guessing if he would show. I feel it would have been way better than the terrible, predictable, and dated segment tonight with Reigns. I don't think so. Because in the end, you still have TV ratings to care about. And I think people could see through the Brock not showing up thing. And doing Roman Reigns one-sided every week without... Uh, a dance partner. Um, yeah, th- and, and like, how is that going to work? How are you going to try to get people interested in WrestleMania if you're teasing them- maybe he won't show up? Yeah, like by the last week before WrestleMania, they need to make this a blood feud. They need to guarantee that you're at, you're going to get a match. Otherwise, people people are going to... Yeah, they, they've got work to do on that, that program. Yeah. Brandon from Oshawa. I thought this was a very solid edition of Raw. I was hoping for no physicality between Reigns and Lesnar, but I enjoyed the one-sided beatdown, and I'm looking forward to Reigns' revenge. Keeping str- okay. Ultimate deletion wasn't as good as an impact, but I thought it was a job well done from the WWE and a definite step up from the House of Horrors. It looked like Bray has been looks like Bray has been killed off. I'm interested where they go with him. Hochi writes, the ultimate deletion was everything I hoped for. Now Matt has introduced all his devices into WWE, and hopefully we can get more versions of it going forward. Huge pop seeing Senor Benjamin hiding under Skarsgård. Did Jeremy Borash have any involvement? I believe he was there for the filming of it, but I don't know his direct involvement. Uh, Says Dallas was a dead crowd, only woke up for Cena and Lesnar. Tony from South Dakota. Naya and Alexa is probably my favorite program headed into Mania. The Excuse me. The story is so real, and Alexa has so much heat. Do you think Mean Girl Alexa could be the device for a post-mania Bailey heel turn? God, I hope I don't see that pairing again. No, that Jesus. was pretty brutal post-mania last year. Yeah, he says the ultimate deletion was fantastic, but my my wife thought it was ridiculous and didn't care for it. Matt from Georgia, the episode of Raw had several strong points and a few lows as well, but overall, really good show. The Ultimate Deletion was about as good as I would have hoped it would be in a WWE setting. It seemed like they gave Matt enough freedom to be creative while still keeping a more wrestling-type feel to it at the same time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Hopefully, Bray comes back with a new character and gets a chance to showcase his in-ring ability without a crazy gimmick. Also, love the Rousey Angle video package. Flosion says, Ultimate Deletion was everything I wanted and just as insane as crazy as it ever was on TNA. My only two notes on it are, one, where does Michael Cole get off acting like he's too cool for school introducing the Ultimate Deletion? And two, just what the heck do you think is going through Vince's mind when he sees this thing on his flagship show? I mean, he, if he didn't like it, it wouldn't have aired. So, next one, haven't watched Raw in a few months and I rely on your reviews. Uh... Goes on to talk about the Hardy segment. Somehow they found a way to make it less interesting than the Impact deletions. No surprise guests. No shooting fireworks at each other. No twists involving the Lake of Reincarnation. Just Bray enjoying his cabin and a campy graveyard seed that was cringeworthy. I hate Michael Cole and questioned his apology before it began, but after it went off the air, I realized that was probably the first thing he said in 15 years that wasn't being yelled at through his headset and was straight from his heart. Lots of people just said, imagine this if the WWE did this instead of Impact 18 months ago. Well, you could have fooled me. It didn't seem any different or better andrew from saint john i was worried that they would just play the broken hardy hits but the ultimate deletion delivered the sped up shots with bray had me laughing my ass off will the bludgeon brothers find husky harris lost in the woods during their next promo 
Steve from BC Raw tonight was a vast improvement over last week's edition. I thought the Roman Brock angle was great, and it seemed that at least in some cities they are accomplishing their goal of getting Brock booed. Lexa was great on the mic again tonight and showed again why she may be the best female talker at the moment. Cena's promo was a vast improvement over last week, but I don't know if the Kane involvement was really necessary. The ultimate deletion was fun, but I wonder if Vince was happy with it, with it seeing as how we got a pre-tape apology from Michael Cole. It will be interesting to see if they do more or if Vince decides to pull the plug. Yeah, I didn't make too much of this apology afterwards, but many people noting it. Maybe it was just a setup. like, And, you know, maybe a preparation for people who know nothing about this. Because it would be quite a shock for somebody who's just used to watching WWE their entire lives and then seeing something like this. So, don't look too deep into it, I wouldn't think. All right, we got a Charbel from Victoriaville who says, Raw was really good. Uh, I'm sure you're going to talk about the deletion angle. I wanted your thoughts on how it was different from previous TNA incarnations. I watched WWE... Okay, we've kind of covered that. Okay, uh, he says, I think everybody in the comments gave their thoughts on the big angles, but I just wanted to ask you about Sonya Deville. I really loved her in NXT, her look, her offense, and I think she would have a good run. But now with Shayna and Rowdy, do you think she will get anywhere in the women's division? Um, I personally would have preferred she stayed down in NXT a bit longer, um, but I think down on NXT where Shayna Baszler is so, so much more of a... A priority at the moment that she probably would have got lost down there uh, mm-hmm. with a similar character. So she's in a fine spot. I think being part of a group certainly helps her than being on her own. Um, but her and Mandy are like, like, as you said, they're two years into this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's their biggest obstacle at the moment. It's th- just experience. That, I think they're in. A, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's it. I think they're in a good role. I think I think they'll probably find more success as a tag team. I, I actually want to see more of the two of them just like doing. Yeah, just basically covering for each other. I think the MMA gimmick is done, though. You can't do a shooter MMA gimmick in the same promotion as Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler. And I th- I don't think she needs to. I don't Honestly, I, I wasn't all that convinced when she was doing it anyway. I thought it was kind of hokey. People now, these days, incorporate their MMA styles into their wrestling in general. Who's to say you have to wear MMA gloves or tie up your hair or come out... Wearing tap out, you know, just like just play, find find your thing, find something different. We go to Jessica from Dallas. Got to see the show live tonight for her birthday. Well, happy birthday! Love the pre-show. The luchas deserve actual screen time. They're always a delight. Uh, first fight reigns. I'm a babyface and I can fight. U.S. Marshals. I don't care. She loved Alexa Bliss as every man's bitchy cheerleader as she ran away from Asuka into the arms of a pissed-off Naya, which felt like a letdown for Asuka fans everywhere, but a promising turn for the capable heel and hopeful for Nia Jack's pushers. She adds here, the Hardys and WWE took the ultimate deletion to heart as the live crowd saw nothing of the broken duo. However, in lieu of the ultimate deletion, we were treated to seeing Ronda Rousey get physical with Dana Brooke and a triumphant and triumphantly head backstage... Uh, though adorably forgetting just where the door was. All right, cool. Do you want to do the last one, or are we good? Sorry, is there another? Uh, there was one oh, okay, we one. got Ash from India who says, An above-average episode of Raw, I felt the Brock Lesnar beatdown of Roman went a bit too long. I'm sick and tired of Sasha and Bailey versus Absolution. They've been going at it for almost a month now. Hopefully there will be some new matchups in the women's division post-brand split. The ultimate deletion was a huge success in my opinion. I loved the dark setting of the Hardy compound. The camera work was remarkable too. Hats off to WWE and Matt Hardy. 
Wow, so we are completely in disagreement with most of our audience. I'd say. Most really enjoyed it. So, um, so a success. I mean, I think yeah. at least I, I'm sure the ratings will reflect that too. I have to. I have to think. I think that they're. I mean, the third hour usually you see a notable drop. Um, I don't think it's going to stay at the level of the second hour, but I think there would be less of a drop for this one. That just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. and they also had a lot going on in the third hour. They were, mm-hmm. they were teasing like. Ronda Rousey with those boards going to break that I think some people might have assumed that she's actually on the show, which, I mean, she had a presence just Hmm. in a video form. So uh, that was all in the third hour. That's going to wrap up the show, but uh, don't fret. We'll be back in less than 24 hours with another show with Rewind to SmackDown, and we will see what is happening with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Uh, That's all going down in Dallas again. Maybe some people are going to come back for more on Tuesday night after seeing all this. Mm-hmm. So that is it, everybody. I'm done talking. Go to postwrestling.com and subscribe to Up Next, coming this Thursday.